Hello everyone, welcome. Um, you might notice that this is a bit different from the usual weekly double-edged double bill. Uh, this is a bonus podcast episode we're putting out on the main feed from behind the paywall on our Patreon, patreon.com slash dedbpod. And uh, the reason for that is um, we've had some issues with recording uh, this particular week with uh, Adam is up in Michigan and he's had some snowstorm issues that have knocked out his power. He's unfortunately not able to record uh, for this particular episode to get out in time for the usual Tuesday release. Uh, so we decided, you know, we wanted to have something out for the main feed for everybody. So why not, uh, as I mentioned, pluck something out from behind the paywall, um, in this case being um, last year's March Madness bracket. In case you don't know, Adam and I have uh, done this bonus podcast thing on the Patreon, where usually on patreon.com slash dedbpod, we post one bonus podcast at least a month. Uh, for our patrons, and for the last couple years in March, what we've done is basically uh, get myself and Adam, as well as three guests, to uh, come together and, uh, you know, pick some movies to fill out a March Madness bracket. So it's about 32 titles, where 30 of them are chosen uh, from each of the five participants, about six movies each, and then um, two of them are chosen by the patrons. They uh, submit some potentials, and then uh, we put those on the bracket as well for the total of 32 choices. And uh, basically... Everybody sort of uh, does a matchup thing where uh, whichever of the five people like uh, votes in the matchup, whoever gets three out of five moves on, and then we eventually have a winner out of all those. Uh, they're very long episodes, they tend to be. Um, and uh, we've done that again this year on the Patreon feed, uh, where we did Best Animated Feature, and we had uh, Adam and myself along with uh, friends of the show, Hyel Peralta, Rafe Telsch, and Scott Johnson, um, for the best animated feature one. Uh, we recorded that last night as of uh, when I'm recording this intro, and it is uh, the raw audio currently is f- nearly five hours long. So uh, I'm currently editing that, and we decided, given you know, we had a delay in the regular episode, we're going to put out last year's March Madness bracket here. That is what you'll be listening to on this particular episode, uh, where it's Adam, myself, as well as friends of ours, uh, Jessica Scott, Jonathan Hatton McHale, and Marcelo Pico all came together to... Um, determine the best movie sequel. Uh, That's what we put out in March of 2022. That is what you'll be hearing here. But if you want to listen to the this year's uh, one for best animated feature, um, you'll just have to sign up for our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash tedbpod. And it only takes $1. That's all we ask of any of our patrons, uh, as we call them edgelord patrons. Uh, Just that $1.00. And uh, you all get to not only listen to bonus podcasts, but vote in polls for episode topics we do, like the episode that was supposed to come out this week, but will come out next week, uh, the 2012 movies episode. The patrons voted for that. Give us that $1, you're able to vote in those polls, and also access to not just the March Madness content, but there's several hours of stuff where we do top 10 lists and uh, On the Edge of Relevance, where we cover newer movies, including, uh, right alongside this particular, you know, big March Madness thing, we also put out a little uh, new On the Edge of Relevance, our first one for 2023, where Adam and I talked about John Wick Chapter 4, in initially non-spoilery detail, but then we go full spoilers after a certain point. It's another solid little thing that you can get if you just become a patron for that $1, and it really helps out the show. Um, it keeps the lights on. It helps uh, to, you know, I cash it in around every time we have to pay hosting fees. We're able to cover the hosting fees, thankfully, because we have such great patrons. But, you know, whatever other money uh, that we get for the Patreon helps to improve the show, first and foremost, above all else. So if you want to listen to any of that uh, bonus content, as well as that March Madness for Best Animated Feature, which should be out by the end of the week, we're putting this episode out on the main feed. Uh, please definitely consider becoming a patron 
really helps out. And now, without further ado, uh, here is um, the March Madness bonus episode from last year, all about the best movie sequel. And uh, look in the description, you'll find the bracket, I'm sure, for it. But anyway, on with the show. Hello, Edgelords. It's time for some March Madness. Oh, man. The bases are loaded. It's the fourth quarter. It's a score of love to love, and I am so ready for this. Even I'm aware most of those sports references were completely off, Adam. Listen, baby, I'm just here for the chicken wings and beer. Hello, everybody. Yes, it is time for March Madness once again. We did this last year where we did, uh, we tallied the best movie villain. And Adam, that was a long, very long conversation that took many, tri- like, very bizarre turns no one expected. And are you ready for that tonight? No, <laughs> absolutely not. I mean, fucking shit. No. I wonder if Freddy Krueger is going to win this one, too. Why is my voice squeaking? What is going on? <laughs> I mean, Freddy is on this draft as well, as we'll get to in a bit. Uh, but we have a completely different roster. This time for our uh, March Madness topic is the best movie sequel. And uh, just introduce our uh, three other compatriots who will be doing this March Madness podcast with us this evening. They've all been previously guests on the show. Uh, first up, we have uh, the one who's been at least on the most times, one of our favorites, Mr. Jonathan Habdemichael. Jonathan, welcome to March Madness. All right, Edgelords, let's do this. Patreon, patrons versus the hosts. Some <laughs> other metaphor. Go. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> he is ready for the sports. He has his pendant ready right there. Um, next up, of course, is uh, she was our guest on our Tilda Swinton episode from last year, and she's a writer at various places and an editor as well over at FilmCred, uh, Miss Jessica Scott. Jessica, welcome. Thank you so much. Very excited for the sportsness. <laughs> we love the sports ball. We're great at it. <laughs> yeah. We know all the references. Yes. And then, of course... Uh, not only has he been a guest on the show previously, but he is uh, the big honcho over at Talk Film Society, Mr. Marcelo Pico. Marcelo, welcome. Emphasis on big. Uh, I'm the big honcho. Um, thank you for having me on. Uh, should I know anything about sports? Because I don't. D- 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 does wrestling count? I know about wrestling. I know about the yeah, show of Boston. Yeah. yeah, we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> this is a king of the ring. Oh, there, there you it, go. Actually, it is. Actually, it is like King of the Ring. Oh, <laughs> now it makes accurate. sense. That's what. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, all five of us are here today because we have a 32 films, which are sequels, seated via the traditional sort of March Madness bracket. And uh, each of our contestants here picked... Um, a total of six films to be included on the bracket, as well as we have a couple films from uh, our uh, loyal patrons out there uh, that were chosen. And basically, the way we do this, as we did last year, uh, each match we present, uh, there are, our participants will each respond about who they feel should win the match, and whichever uh, of these uh, two sequels that face off against each other gets three out of five votes, wins the match, and moves on you know, to Sweet 16 and Elite 8, and eventually to the winner the particular thing. Uh, For this, the general criteria 
is uh, how much the individual sequel progressed or potentially improved from its predecessor uh, compared to other films it's facing off against. And um, we did the big stipulation have here uh, for what we chose. We did limit it to one film per franchise in general. So we didn't just have like, you know, we could have had uh, seven Mission Impossible movies on here, technically. We could have, but we decided not to. Um, oh. And just to make the... I know, I'm sorry. Marcelo really wanted that. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> really wanted that so badly. Uh, but uh, to also avoid chaos in general, uh, we'll be going in a specific speaking order, uh, which will go uh, Jessica, Jonathan, Marcelo, myself, and then Adam. And then to make things interesting with the next matchup, the person who was second in the previous round will go first, and we'll rotate around that way, just so uh, one person doesn't get to speak first and one person doesn't have to speak last in every single matchup. Um, and uh, the last sequel standing, as we go along with this very long recording, uh, will be our champion and the best movie sequel of all time. It's official, set in stone, no take backs. Does everyone understand? Is everyone ready? Woo! Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Go team! I'm excited. Go team movies! Yes, so our first matchup... Over here, we have uh, the family film matchup of Paddington 2 versus Toy Story 2. Uh, two very beloved sequels. Uh, I'm, we're going to start with Jessica, obviously, here. So, Jessica, uh, where, what do you feel about these two films and who should win for you? So, I'm going to make a very unprofessional admission and say that I didn't have enough time to watch every movie on the bracket. Wow. So, yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm right there with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right let's let's just play inside sports yeah we did not i i don't think any of us watched all 32 just, okay. just um, i feel better i was I, gonna say marcello watches like eight movies a day <laughs> i i i did i i have watched them all yes but but i uh there are a few that i haven't seen in like decades so i'll get to them you know well, i think we didn't rewatch all 32 We'll yes. say that. Yeah, yeah that's yes. what I was referring we to. We didn't rewatch Not... all of them. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but so, please, Jessica, continue. Yes. Um, based on this matchup and the fact that Paddington 2, according to the very scientific Rotten Tomatoes, surpassed Citizen Kane as the greatest movie of all time, my vote in this matchup goes to Paddington 2. Mm. Okay, so that's one for Paddington 2. Now, Jonathan, you're next up on the this uh, speaking bracket. Who should win this matchup? I don't want to just jump in and just go with my vote. So I just want to at least explain some of my feelings about both movies because Paddington two is such a delight. That's completely unexpected because at the time when the first movie came out, everyone saw those horrible ads and I just flat out skipped the movie altogether. Despite people saying it's good. It's good. It wasn't until Paddington two hype that I jumped in and watched it like as a double feature, which really helped because Paddington two is is a delight. This sweet young bear just going through crazy adventures because of Hugh Grant, this mad actor, and on this adventure going to prison, which feels so pastel, it's ridiculous. I I can't say anything bad about Paddington 2. Toy Story 2 was the movie that I'm surprised actually worked all together because I recall that, uh, that they revamped the entire story. And honestly... It is the quintessential Pixar sequel, ha- uh, trying to develop uh, Woody far better on understanding where he came from and what his purpose is. The idea of either being the the object of one child's affection or being immortalized in in, in behind glass. It's a deep movie that I was surprised as a kid to see. 
but I have to be that guy and give it to Paddington because Paddington was it's it, it struck a uh, struck a chord far greater and Toy Story 2's template has been expanded upon in other Pixar sequels for better or for worse. Okay, so it's two for Paddington 2 so far. Marcelo, what are your thoughts? I gotta come in here and save the day. Uh, uh, I'll just say flat out Toy Story 2 above Paddington 2, and here's why. Um, I did just rewatch Toy Story 2 um, about two weeks ago. Uh, I was visiting my, my family. Uh, I was watching it with my baby niece, who was like, who just turned one. And she was transfixed by Toy Story and Toy Story 2. We, we watched them back to back. And rewatching Toy Story 1, fantastic landmark, yes. But Toy Story 2 elevates that to, to something that I think, kind of like what, y- what Jonathan said, it's the template. There have been movies, I will say, that like expanded on the themes in Toy Story 2, maybe in better ways, but you can't, it's it's something that's not easily replicated. And I, I don't think many movies, um, uh, if we're comparing it to Panting 2, I don't think as a sequel, Panting 2 is as successful as a sequel as Toy Story 2 is. So that's why I'm going with Toy Story 2. My point of view, my perspective, it still holds up, still a perfect sequel. Um, so that's that's my vote. Well, um, a full discretion for me since I'm next here. Uh, Toy Story 2 was one of my picks, but whatever the shakes up to be, I, I don't begrudge either of these winners. I think both are fantastic family movies. They do a pretty good job of like advancing uh, a lot of the things that were done in the previous film. I think with even the Paddington 2, like, I love Hugh Grant as like a sort of a step up from like even Nicole Kidman, who was great in the original Paddington movie. And there's so much still delightful, fun stuff in Paddington 2. But I think Toy Story 2, it's like Jonathan and Marcelo have mentioned, it does such a great job of advancing so much of like the thematic stuff from the first Toy Story. And I think Toy Story 3 got so much of like the praise and attention, like Best Picture nominee, all this other stuff, that kind of put Toy Story 2 a bit more off to the side. And I think Toy Story 2 is the better film. I still think Toy Story 3 is great. I think Toy Story 2 has all those thematics that were in Toy Story 3, but just does it so much more succinctly and has such great back and forth. I think even like the double Buzz Lightyear story, I think is a funnier one in two with just like Buzz just beating himself from the first movie, basically, and seeing like, oh God, this guy's such an asshole. <laughs> Why am I bothering with this? It's There's so much like great mixture of like genuine heart and fun that makes just what I love about Pixar movies work so well. And the Jesse scene alone. It's a scene that, like, every Pixar movie has tried to come back to since, and a lot of them have done a great job of recreating that, but I think that whole, like, montage with the Sarah McLachlan song is, like, what I love about Pixar when it does its emotional stuff right and perfectly. So I'm going to go with Toy Story 2 myself, meaning it is neck and neck, (laughs) and Adam, you are the deciding factor. Oh, no. (laughs) That is never a good thing. (laughs) Leaving it up to me. Um... All right, well, just briefly, uh, I like both movies quite a bit. Um, I love one of them, really like the other. Um, I'm going to give it to Paddington 2, and I'm going to explain why. I definitely do prefer Toy Story 3 to Toy Story 2. Um, I I get what you're saying, Thomas. I completely agree, especially the Jesse scene. It's fucking great. It's a tear-jerking scene. But there's just something about 3 that really sort of maybe connects with me more and even on a superficial level it's the first pixar movie i watched with my kids so i got real fond memories of it um which it was like 
when, they, when I got to the point where they just accept their fate, I'm like, oh God, <laughs> like, oh no, I got to explain this. But Paddington 2 is just so fucking charming and so fun and so adorable. And Hugh Grant just crushes the screen. I, I just, I, I, I got to go Paddington 2. Sorry, guys. Well, that's fine. I mean, we just put Toy Story 2 in a box and put it out in a moving <laughs> truck, and it's never going to see the light of day again because of Adam. Great. No problem. But Paddington 2 moves on, and we will discuss it again in a bit. But we have our next matchup, the first uh, superhero matchup of sorts, uh, where we have Batman Returns versus Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Jonathan, you are the first one for this particular matchup, so what are your thoughts and who will win for you? All right. So as a kid, I enjoyed the 89 Batman and I was excited to see Penguin and Catwoman uh, doing cool crime stuff with Batman. And Tim Burton gave young first grader me a fucking weird movie. (laughs) I think Batman Returns does not have as much for Batman to do. And it actually kind of goes into the the trap that we see in future Batman movies until the Batman, where there's far more focus on the villains than on Bruce Wayne and Batman. And I feel like it really hurts the film on that perspective, but it does have great performances from Michelle Pfeiffer, from Danny DeVito, even Christopher Walken. It's, it's just, it, it, it's a film that I can't deny it, that it works, but it does not work for the intention that, at least the studios wanted, and that's why afterwards we got Schumacher Batman. Spider-Man 2, on the other hand, seems like the greatest crystallization of, of Spider-Man that we've gotten, uh, even up until the MCU. You have Peter try- actually focusing and balancing all of the, 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 the responsibilities of Spider-Man while almost ruining his entire personal life. And then you have Doc Ock, which is such a tragic mad scientist story that Sam Raimi makes sweet and actually fun. It's a tough one to say, like, I could go with just nostalgia, but yeah, I have to. It's Spider-Man 2 for me. All right. Spider-Man 2 gets the first one. Marcelo, your thoughts Okay, your pick. Okay, um, so this one's tough because uh, the list I sent over uh, with my picks, uh, I believe these two were on that list. Uh, I consider these two to be in my top 25 of all time. Um, so it's hard for me to pick which one uh, is the best here. But I just, I, I quickly say I agree with all of what Jonathan said. I love these two. I, I, well, for me, Batman Returns, I just want to gush about that for a bit because I've talked about it seemingly since it came out uh, and like like look how crazy this movie is like there should be no reason that like a blockbuster should have like danny devito squirting like fake blood ever like 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 uh, listerine and like uh, dipped in like black ink like all that it, it's insane it's, it's insane movie the, the the word uh uh i mean uh, what christopher walken says every single line of his it's insane it should not be in a blockbuster movie okay and that's why i love it it's something that's came out of the studio system that really should not have come out of the studio system. So that's why I love it. Meanwhile, Spider-Man two is, is like a perfect blockbuster. <laughs> it's like, it's what, it's what a, a it's what studio should strive to be uh, heartfelt action packed, like Sam Raimi using all of the budget to its, to, to its fullest extent. And yet, you know, and then at the end of the day, delivering, 
I guess I'll say maybe my favorite comic book slash superhero storyline ever. Okay. Um, and I didn't know where I was going to go actually at the start of this <laughs> uh, uh, long paragraph, like this long diatribe. But now I'm just realizing I've come to the conclusion that I'm going with Spider-Man 2. In conclusion, Spider-Man 2 <laughs> is the best. Yes. It's the best. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree that uh, it's my turn. And I think it's, it is so tough between these two. I love so much about Batman Returns. This is one of the ones I did rewatch along with the 89 Batman. It's so fascinating going from... 89 Batman, which for the time was very radical, and watching it now, it's kind of quaint in how just sort of like, oh, it's kind of like Tim Burton with a bit of a leash on him, and then Batman Returns is him going just buck wild and doing so much insane stuff to where I agree that I think Batman suffers a bit just in comparison to the very boisterous and fun performances from like Pfeiffer and Dan DeVito and even Walken. He manages to say yawn with the most amount of excitement <laughs> in that fucking movie. But at the same time, Batman has, like, really fun moments in that movie. Like, I love any other time he's, like, in that climax in the Penguin Den, and he's just looking over at penguins, like, trying to shoot at him or doing the whole, like, funeral thing for the penguin, and he's just looking around like, what the fuck is my life? I have to, like, watch this bullshit <laughs> as penguins are, like, doing these funeral processions? What? Um, so there's a lot of fun to that movie, but at the same time, I'm gonna unfortunately clinch it here I will say that I prefer Spider-Man 2, if nothing else, because I think it's the crystallization of not just, like, what a Spider-Man movie can be, especially in live action, uh, but it has so much, like, what I love about what a superhero movie can be, in terms of how much Peter is just screwed over by life, and how he gets this brief reprise of, like, I don't have to be Spider-Man anymore, this is gonna be fun, but realizes that is so key, that, like, no, you have to keep doing what you're doing, you inspire people so much, that you have to keep being that hero, you have to keep being that person, and I think it's a really beautiful crystallization of that arc, and even ends on such a beautiful note of ambiguity that Spider-Man 3, to varying degrees, depending on who you ask, resolved or didn't resolve to any degree, but I personally say Spider-Man 2 myself, which means it will continue onward, but uh, Adam, if you have anything to say, who you would have voted for on this? Just to be an agent of chaos, Batman Returns. <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably would have went Spider-Man 2 as well. I mean, I love Batman Returns. I, I Every time I watch I have so much fun with it, particularly with Christopher Walken. He just fucking kills me in that movie. Santa Claus, afraid not. You're like, what is he talking about? What is <laughs> happening here? But it's it's so fucking great. But yeah, Spider-Man 2, um, I agree with you. It's the best of the Spider-Man films yet, except for maybe Into the Spider-Verse. I put right up there with it. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as live action, it's the best one. And not only did it kind of show me what a superhero movie could be and everything, but I think so much of the superhero movies we have now owe a lot to its structure and to its sort of, you know, where it takes itself seriously as a film not to say that you know the first x-men or blade or the first spider-man didn't but this one was like just at a whole nother level than anything we've seen before and it's just it's a masterpiece and just brilliant casting i mean alfred molina mwah, perfect so you're for the record officially you would have gone with spider-man 2 <laughs> uh spider-man 2.1 Oh, yeah, oh right. no. Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, now, Jessica, once again, it's going to move on Spider-Man 2, but for the record, who would you have gone with yourself? For the record, my legitimate vote would be Batman Returns. I mean, I can't argue with any of the praise that all of y'all have given Spider-Man 2. It's a great movie. It's a great Peter Parker story. It's a great Spider-Man story. Um, but just as a DC girl at heart and a fan of when superhero movies get weird and horny and fetishistic, I have to vote for Batman Returns, even though, sadly, it is not moving forward. 
Well, thank you. Somebody had to. Oh, my God. <laughs> look, look, someone had to. Yes. Yeah. Someone's got to stick up for Michelle Pfeiffer and Latex. I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. <laughs> now, now then you of us dislike that or anything else. <laughs> or, or, or Penguin in that onesie, of course. Like, right. Like, exactly. Yes. Can, for I, sure. can I change my vote? No, no, no. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm converting. I'm winning hearts and minds over here. So Batman <laughs> yes. returns all the way. <laughs> well, next, uh, we have our first horror matchup and also our Wes Craven matchup. Interestingly enough, uh, because he was technically involved in the writing of at least one of these, and he directed and wrote the other one. We have uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors uh, versus Scream 2. So, Marcelo, uh, you're starting off with this. And I believe, for the record, before you even go, uh, Batman Returns and Scream 2 were the ones that had doubles on our list. That ah, okay. Uh, yes, so uh, these were both decided by a couple people on here. But who would you personally go with between these two? Now, okay. So one of these is another all-time favorite of mine. Um, so, okay, I'm not going to talk about that one yet. Dream Warriors. So, okay, I'm not the biggest Freddy guy, uh, but I do, I, I do agree with a lot of people who say Dream Warriors is the best of the series. Um, I'm, in, I'm in complete agreement with that. But yet, but I have seen it. Um, but it really didn't stick with me, Dream Warriors. And again, I'm saying, I'm saying this again. I, I, I'm not the Freddy guy. I, I'm not his biggest fan. Uh, I put, you know, uh, Michael Myers, you know, uh, uh, you know, Jason Voorhees, you know, other heavyweights above Freddy. Sorry. Um, but I have to go Scream 2. Scream 2 is, to me, it's a perfect sequel. It's, it's, it does everything you want a meta sequel to do. And I think it, I mean, to reference itself to say, okay, we're going to repeat the same thing as the first one. It's, it's not pretentious. It's smart. It's funny. I think it works through and through. I've seen Scream 2, especially with like the new Scream coming out. I've seen Scream 2 a few times uh, over these last few months, and I still love it to death. Um, from opening like weekend, <laughs> I was there, uh, very young kitchen. I've been seeing Scream 2, but I was there in theaters to watch it. And till, till this day, one of my favorites. So I, of course, I'm going Scream 2. Okay. Uh, we should mention, by the way, also Dream Warriors is sort of the one of the Patreon picks and is like the people's champion, basically, because it had the most people voting for it to be included from the Patreon people like Christian Alvarez, Casey Gerard, and Rafe Telsch all wanted to have uh, Dream Warriors on here. So Marcelo defies the people. Sorry, people. <laughs> going to the heart on this one. And against <laughs> yes. the people. Yes. Um, well, it is my turn now. And I, it's interesting with these two because I feel like um, both of them have, like, introduced a lot of the fun things that would progress through their horror series and also some of the detrimental aspects. Like, I think uh, Elm Street 3 has a lot of, like, the more humorous stuff. Like, Freddy was kind of funny from the start, and but this was the one where it sort of cemented him as, like, more of the jokey killer. But I think it has one of the better balances of the jokes and the terror that's there. And Scream 2 has a lot of, like, the fun sort of, like, surprise reversals and all this other stuff, but also has, like, especially the production stuff with, like, the ending and how that was rewritten, like, on the fly and how that would become even more of a problem with the other sequels that would come from here. Uh, but I think they're both very entertaining movies. They're both flawed, but very fun in their own ways. If I'm going to go with one, I'm going to go with uh, Dream Warriors and nothing else, because as much as I like any Scream movie, the kills tend to be obviously very repetitive, given the nature of what Scream is, versus Dream Warriors has some of the most creative, bizarre kills in that franchise or any like horror sequel in general, with stuff like the guy who's like a puppet with like his 
veins, has strings and stuff like that. It has like so much like fun creative visuals for the kills. I'm gonna go slightly more to Dream Warriors on that. Adam, who are you going with? Uh well Truth be told, I'm the absolute opposite of Marcelo. I am not a big Scream guy. I like Scream. I like it enough. I think it's fine. Uh, but it's never really been my bread and butter. I like. I enjoy most of the movies except for the third one. But it's never been like my go-to. I, I don't think Ghostface in like even stacks up to like a Freddy Krueger as far as an icon of horror and stuff. Which that really doesn't matter. It's personal taste. But I, I gotta go Dream Warriors. Uh, basically, based on everything you just said, Thomas. Uh, you know the kills are so fucking wild. Yeah, you got the guy with the tendons, but then you got like pre Harry Potter, Harry Potter. You got the girl with the hypodermic, you know, the needles in her arms. I mean, it's just it, it's just such a batshit crazy movie. That and, and, you know, and plus fucking Dokken, bro, Dokken forever. <laughs> but you know, but I do agree. I don't think it's not even my favorite sequel of the franchise. I actually prefer New Nightmare to all of the sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, but this would be a steady number two uh, as far as the sequels go. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, I got to go Dream Wars as well. Uh, well, maybe not unfortunately, because I care about the people. And so do you, Thomas. <laughs> what if we did this on purpose? Noticeably, <laughs> the two people who run the Patreon. <laughs> the <laughs> the choice. You guys are right. You guys are completely right. It's rigged. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the system is all wrong. Uh, but now we're going to continue with our system anyway. And we have a uh, self-professed horror fan, Jessica. Who are you going with here? I love both of these movies, and I kind of hate the bracket for pitting them against each other so early. Uh, um, They're both great, but um, if we're going by the criteria of not necessarily improving on the original, but progressing, I, while they're both fantastic, for me, Dream Warriors is the best of the franchise, and Scream 2 is not the best of the franchise. So just based on that alone, I'd have to go with Dream Warriors, because it kind of morphs into, you know, as you said, kind of funny Freddy, but also being terrifying Freddy at the same time. And to me, I prefer, though I love Sidney Prescott in every single Scream movie, and I love scream to quite a bit the the evolution of nancy thompson from the nightmare on elm street to dream warriors is so fascinating to me and is such a template for a lot of the you know not to start anything but a lot of the final girls fighting back against trauma and you know legacy final girls coming back and um you know weaponizing their knowledge against the killers and fighting back hard to me nancy is the template so i have to give it to dream warriors all right, well, Elm Street is going to progress forward. Uh, Freddy has slashed Ghostface right in his face. But, Jonathan, who would you have picked just for the record? It's actually sad because I thought uh, after Scream 3, the Scream franchise got weird, and I felt like Scream 2 had a lot of good merits. But, yeah, Elm Street 3 really clinched on what Freddy's identity is in the Nightmare franchise. So... I would have gone with Elm Street 3 in the end. Oh, so we have Marcelo cradling the bodies of Laurie Metcalf <sighs> and Timothy Oliphant. It's rigged. <laughs> Don't forget about Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> it's a double-edged deep state. That's what's going on. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Don't start that, please. We don't need that contingent to start up. Uh, well, now uh, we have an action matchup uh, that'll be very interesting here. We have uh, the uh, third in the Daniel Craig James Bond film, Skyfall, versus uh, the third 
as well in the uh, Matt Damon Born series, Born Ultimatum. I am starting this particular round, and I think uh, it's interesting. This would have been, I think, a lot more tight if I hadn't rewatched a lot of the, the both these movies, actually, and the whole series of Born and the Daniel Craig Bonds last year. And I think while Skyfall, like, it looks so beautiful, and there's so many great merits to it, I think particularly, like, the first half of Skyfall is, like, some of the best, like, action and Bond stuff I've seen in one of his movies. Uh, I think, weirdly, once Javier Bardem, not necessarily is introduced, but particularly when he gets captured, I think that movie dips a bit more than I think um, I gave it credit for originally, um, despite the fact that I still really enjoy it and would say it's my second favorite of the Craig movies. Um, I would go more with Ultimatum, because I feel like that is a great example with his, at least, initial trilogy of the each movie gets better. Because I think Born Identity is like a solid spy thriller. Supremacy is very good, and I think improves a lot of stuff from that movie. And then Ultimatum, I think, does an even better job with just so many tense sequences, like all the stuff with Patty Constantine, and when we get to the end with like Albert Finney, some of the most intense like back and forth between him and Matt Damon, I think it's so stellar. I would say that's easily my like favorite of the Bournes in general. So I'm putting my vote toward Bourne Ultimatum of myself. Now, Adam, what are you going with? I mean, yeah, I'm going. I'm going with you, Thomas Bourne Ultimatum as well. Um, I think it's just a great movie. Not to, not to like say Skyfall isn't great, but Skyfall. The, the, I don't need to know James Bond's backstory. I never wanted to know it. Never needed to know it. Um, it's just it's something that I I I always appreciated the sort of animidity of James Bond, like not knowing where he came from, who he is. He's just James Bond. I always liked the just the idea of this guy who's just great at everything. I didn't need to know about the fucking house and Albert Finney and or Michael Gambon, whatever, same fucking guy, but all that shit. I didn't need any of that. I really didn't. I did like Harvey Arbery Dominant, but you know, it's just it was just too much for me. I I I mean I preferred over like a Spectre, obviously. I think that goes without saying, but I don't know, man. I, I just I, I born Ultimatum all the way. You know, Thomas and I, full transparency, rewatched all of the movies um together i don't know six months ago or so probably and uh i just was so recharged by that franchise where i'm like god i forgot how great this franchise is not you jeremy renner or not you number five but the first three are so fucking good and yeah ultimatum is just like a perfect sort of crescendo any note for that franchise i think it's absolutely perfect all right two for ultimatum jessica where do you stand on this I'm I'm not a contrarian by nature, but I'm gonna have to go with Skyfall on this one. I, I get what you're I get the criticisms of it, but purely from a visual standpoint, I have never seen a prettier James Bond film. I'm in love with the cinematography in this one. So just from that standpoint in terms of I with elevated horror being a thing, I hate using the word elevating, but to me it elevated the visuals in a way that I was not expecting. So I'm gonna have to say Skyfall, even though I'm preparing myself to lose here. Well, I don't know. We we will see here with uh, Jonathan. Where do you stand? I do have to agree that Skyfall is the second best uh, Daniel Craig film. It is very beautiful. I I do enjoy how it tries to integrate actually the stuff that the Bourne trilogy at the time had for spy act, uh, spy thrillers and adding a level of, uh, I guess the way you could say yeah, it is elevating with the cinematography, with the trappings of classic Bond, with more modern Bond. The problem is that the Bourne Ultimatum 
its predecessor was a solid film and it just kept going. Skyfall had to compensate for uh, Quantum of Solace and it really does show. And you're actually right, Thomas. I did try going back uh, to see the, um, the third act where, yeah, it ends with people fighting with home alone type weaponry. It's, it's, it's a little too silly. So while, yeah, we have a spinoff for born and a terrible direct sequel, I think the ultimatum is the great cap off of a trilogy, and my vote goes to Born Ultimatum. Oh, looks like Extreme Ways just started playing because Born Ultimatum's moving on. But Marcelo, who would you have gone with for posterity? <sighs> You've all made a huge mistake. Well, except you, Jessica. Okay, Jessica, you're on my Thank side. Thank you. Yes. 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 Um, okay, but having said that, of course, I uh, I would have gone Skyfall and hope for the win but i do agree with all your points about born ultimatum though it's a it's the best out of those uh, out of the first three it does the green grass action the best of of the three he's directed um and yeah it's it's a great capper to that story uh i was okay with the with with the next two but it just never topped ultimatum but skyfall Again, this is another. This was another pick of mine, <laughs> another favorite that'll go on my top twenty-five of all time, and yet here I am crying over its fate. Um, it's the best uh, for me. It's the best of the Craig, of the Daniel Craig run, and it's the best sequel to a James Bond movie ever. Um, it celebrates the series uh, better than like Die Another Day tried to do, which is that I think that came out on, on the 40th anniversary of the series. And Skyfall came out on the 50th anniversary. I mean, I could write a thousand or more words on like why I think it's amazing, but I boil it down to, for me, it's essentially a James Bond's death dream. It's like it encapsulates so much of what the character is and, and why you like him and why you hate him and why, for me, it's been an interesting character throughout you know, 25 films uh, in total. Uh, it's the most interesting one, uh, you know, beyond that first one, beyond Dr. Now and GoldenEye, of course. Um, and Goldfinger, I mean. Uh, GoldenEye is great too. Uh, but anyway, wrapping it up, Skyfall, amazing. Why did you do this to me? Why? Well, even though the sky has crumbled, Marcel <laughs> stands tall and faces it all. That's my karaoke like, song, by the way. <laughs> it 100% is. makes sense. Uh, but... Now we move on to another action round. Fast Five, obviously the fifth in the Fast and Furious franchise, in case you couldn't tell, versus a Mad Max Fury Road. Two very interesting films to match up against other two car-focused action films. Adam, you're starting this off, and where are you going? Uh, I love both of these movies. It's just Fast Five completely just re like sort of invigorated the franchise in so many different ways and really just kind of brought it to where it is now it's just it's such a fun action movie but man fury road is just perfect it's just a perfect movie there's nothing wrong with that movie from the way it looks to the score to the action beats to the costume design to the acting to the weight of everything it's just fury road is one of, if not the best action movie to come out in the last 20 years. I mean, it, it's just, it's per action perfection. Um, it, it's 
also re reinvigorating a, a long dormant franchise at this point and brought it back. And it's just, you know, George Miller at the top of his game. It, it's just, it's phenomenal. There's nothing that's really like it. Uh, even it's, you know, the original three that came before it, it's a whole different animal, a whole different beast. Um, and it stands on its own as almost its own genre. It, it's just, it's a movie perfection. So clearly I'm going fast five. No, <laughs> Fury Road, 100% Fury Road. <laughs> Oh, well, Jessica. I absolutely agree. Like, I love Fast Five. That's my favorite of that franchise, I think. But as Adam said, Fury Road is perfection. Uh, you know, no spoilers or anything, but this is my pick to win the whole thing. Just because I there's not a single fault in this movie. It's perfection. And like he said, coming back after such a long time from the previous entry and just blowing the world's collective mind. I mean, if they're on the short list of movies that I desperately wish I could have seen on the big screen, Fury Road is on there. Um, so, yeah, I, you can't mess with perfection. Fury Road wins for me. <sighs> Dominic Trader better finish that Corona. I don't know if he's got much left. Jonathan. <laughs> I have to say, uh, Fast Five did bring back the franchise. It was fun seeing it in theaters, but... I just could not stick with the fast franchise after that. Like I, I got like a lot of the crazy stuff. Like I like Tej. He was a, just, he owned a garage and now he's a super hacker and all these other weird characters doing this heist, just running through Brazil, bouncing around a giant safe on cars. Like it's, it's so fun, but Fury road is, is an even bigger cartoon and it's even more fun fantastical like both of these are such ridiculously great blockbusters and i just feel like fury road really it was the impossible uh sequel to do i think it was 20 it may have been 30 years but it just worked so yeah i think it, it may be a clean sweep just fury road oh well it looks like uh you know mad max is gonna ride gloriously on the fury road through the rest of this competition officially here uh, but Marcelo, for posterity, are, are you going to diverge or? Uh, listen, <laughs> um, I mean, kind of, uh, you know, also alluding to what Jessica said earlier. I mean, Fury Road might take this whole thing, but we'll get there when we get there. Because Fury Road for me, I would have went with Fury Road because I think it is perfect. Fast Five, the whole Fast Saga, I love it. I think I've seen both Fast Five and Fury Road the same number of times for different reasons. <laughs> I was lucky enough to, to see it on the big screen in the black and white version too, uh, which I love that version. I wrote about that version a few years ago. Um, everything about Fury Road is perfect. Um, it's not necessarily, I mean, it is a fantastic sequel uh, to like the, the, the original, you know, Mel Gibson series, but I guess just on its own, you don't have to see, you, you know, the, the the other movies to really understand what's going on because it just stands up so well on its own. But again, it also does work as a sequel. Um, but again, f props to Fast Five. I think it it did the Avengers before the Avengers. It came out a year before the Avengers, and it pulled off like this, like uh, uh, you know, jumbling in of these characters from various movies and making it work. And I love it. It's. I think it's. It might be my favorite of that series. Um, uh, but but yeah. I mean, for as much as I love it, it is fun. It's 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 cool to be with these characters. 
but yeah, you can't you can't beat perfection again. Fear Road, perfect. Well, uh, just for posterity, um, and just you know, just to give some some sanctity to me, Familia, I'm gonna give Fast Five the pity vote. I'll have a lot of things to say about Fear Road. Obviously, <laughs> continue. Like, look, like here's you the thing, fucking you hack. <laughs> But I just want to give some at least some respect to me, familiar with that particular movie, just for like how much it reinvents that whole fucking franchise in such a phenomenal way. Just I think really improving once again on the previous movies that came before it. Mad Max had like two of the greatest like sort of action Australian exploitation films of all time, and a pretty good third movie to follow up from. Versus like Fast and Furious is like so digging up from like a point break ripoff in the first movie all the way to eventually with this movie just doing the most bizarre, weird, amazing shit and has so much fun. So like it's the best Dwayne Johnson has done. I, I think he still has like that is the pinnacle he has to potentially reach with his bland modern vehicles at this point. And it has like so much of the fun. I I res- like we're, we're going to talk about Fury Road and I agree it might just win the whole thing, but I'm going to give my pity point to Fast Five as Hans sadly eats his <laughs> fucking snacks. You clearly haven't seen Central Intelligence. No, I haven't, no. That's <laughs> Legitimately. The best. No, that's where the best. Well, next up is an interesting sci-fi matchup uh, where we have uh, sort of a sequels in like long-running sci-fi franchises where we have uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes versus Blade Runner 2049. I'm curious to see where this goes. Jessica, the rotation has gone around back to you to start. Where do you go? Um... Based on the criteria of expanding the universe, improving on the original, I have to pick Dawn of the Planet of the Apes just because, to me, the original Blade Runner is perfection. So even if you have a perfect sequel to it, you're not really improving or progressing, if that makes sense. So I have to give this one to Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, though I'm not sure where this one's going to land. I don't know how the votes are going to shake out. (laughs) Be very interesting as we continue. Jonathan, where do you go? Okay, so I did uh, uh, nominate Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and Blade Runner twenty forty nine was on my short list before providing it for the episode. So this is going to be very difficult for me. I honestly felt like the idea of doing a any sort of reboot of Planet of the Apes involving the Caesar portion of the sequels from the original uh, franchise was insane and they pulled off a great origin story and they went even further with the aftermath of having apes having a society where you had like all almost everything was almost or silent for the entire first act and you just it was all just conveyed by the by the performances and the motion capture like everyone talks about Andy Serkis but Tony Kebbell is great like and even some of the human actors actually worked out pretty well. I was surprised that they took parts of battle and conquest and made it into such a beautiful story of trying to balance between t- basically two warring factions, even though it was more of a cold war of just balancing like humans trying to survive in a, an apocalypse where, where there's intelligent apes. It's hard to actually try to conceptualize that and having that working in the 20th century. And Blade Runner 2049, I think it thematically expands on Blade Runner because I love the aspects and, and aesthetic of the original Blade Runner, but the story, it was just a noir that felt kind of 
half baked with some of its uh, characterization, especially with Decker. And having that long running question of, is he a replicant? Are they going to explore the idea of replicants in the sequel? And they, they sidestep and ask actually a more deeper question. If synthetic life can produce life on their own, what is the difference between a replicant and a human? And just going off of that while having a twist on the whole chosen one story and actually bringing back Harrison Ford and doing a very good job as him as a grizzled old man. Even talking about this, I'm not even sure which one I'll pick. It's it's also the fact that it's hard to even do anything in the Blade Runner universe without just being a knockoff. Like I, uh, there have been spinoffs of Blade Runner in comics and in animation that just don't work as well as 2049. I, I guess I have to go with Blade Runner 2049 because. I feel like it's going to be an underdog because I feel like there's so much love for the original that it's overlooked on the sequel. Well, Jonathan makes this match a bit more interesting. Very curious to see where this will go forward. Marcelo, your thoughts. Okay, here we go. Um, <clears throat> this one's tough. It is. Uh, I did just rewatch Dawn um, uh, a few days before I saw the Batman. You know, because I... I remember liking Dawn of the Pilots a lot when it came out. Um, hadn't seen it since that year it came out. And I was blown away rewatching it. Um, it, it. It reminded me of how great of a director Matt Reeves is, um, how smart the Andy Serkis trilogy uh, uh, of, of these Planet of the Apes movies, uh, how well constructed the entire trilogy is. Um, the original Planet of the Apes is one of my favorite movies. And the way they brought it back and infused so much of like what made the original series work, not, you know, beyond the first one, like you see a lot of the five, those first five movies in the trilogy and you see some of that in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And I could go on and on, honestly, but let me move on to, to Blade Runner. Cause I'm also kind of in the same uh, scenario. It's like, I'm not sure which one I'm going to pick because <laughs> Blade Runner, I like it more than the original Blade Runner. Um, if, and that's not saying you know, I think the first Blade Runner is a piece of crap. I, I think it's it's technically a classic. You 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 see why it influenced like a generation, um, the original. But twenty forty nine just tells a better story, and I think a lot of of what we see visually is better than the original, like uh, on a technical aspect. Um, so this one's tough. But I got to go, uh, you know, similarly to why I put Skyfall in this. I love the work of Deacons. So I got to go 2049. That's my vote. All right. Well, this could be the clincher for Blade Runner 2049. And uh, it's my turn. And I I am so with Jonathan and Marcel. This is so tough. I think this is one of the tougher matchups we have, honestly, in terms of I love so much of what these two movies do with like really reinventing and reinvigorating this fran- the franchises that they're in. I think particularly Dawn did such a great job of already improving like from Rise, which I think doesn't get a lot of credit. It's kind of like lost in the shuffle with like after Dawn, uh, but like did such a great job where like that movie looked like shit from all the trailers, just like, oh, this is going to be a dumb reboot, why are we doing this? And that really surprised. And then Dawn already one-upped it so perfectly, which is like, I love the fact that that first, like, 30 minutes of that movie is just apes doing sign language. That's amazing for, like, this mega blockbuster, <laughs> where, like, just the, the special effects spectacle is these apes communicating with each other. 
and I think that's so amazing. I think it's a great performance from Circus and so many of the other, like, the human characters, I think, also get kind of, like, lost in the shuffle with that particular movie, but still there's so much, particularly Gary Oldman, one of his better performances in what could be a cash grab role, the thing where he looks at the iPad is such a beautiful moment, and it's, like, such a great creative idea of, like, the apocalypse, like, going back to something that you can't really access before, like, in the middle of this apocalypse. So well done. And then Blade Runner 2049, I'm in a similar boat with, like, especially, like, uh, of, like, I like the original Blade Runner, but I think Decker in particular is such a weak point compared to, like, all the other characters. And I think the sequel does such a great job of really focusing in on, like, a replicant as its main character and doing such a beautiful job of, like, really developing, like, that twist on the Chosen One narrative that was mentioned before and doing such a stellar job with that and just so many of the, like, lush visuals. And it's so tough but I think I'm going to clench it for Blade Runner, if nothing else, because I think it had more to prove with, like, being the first movie in that franchise in decades, as opposed to, like I mentioned, Rise had kind of shown what Dawn could potentially improve on that was already still pretty great to start with. Um, and, you know, for the record, War, I think, is a movie that's gone much more down in my estimation <laughs> since I rewatched it. I still like that movie, but I still think it feels like it's a lesser addendum to what Dawn had already pretty much perfected. Uh, but still, I'm going to slightly turn to Blade Runner 2049, which will continue forward, but for posterity, Adam, what will you have gone with? Take one fucking guess, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge Blade Runner fan. I've loved Blade Runner ever since I was a kid. I agree with Jessica. I think the first movie is perfection. I think Blade Runner 2049 is perfection. Um, it, it, and they're both in different ways. There's there different reasons for both why I think they're perfect. Uh, you know, I think the, I love the first one just because of the look of everything, how dirty and wet it always is and you know of course roy batty rucker howard's performance is one of my favorite all-time villain performances i i loved film noir i still love noir movies and then with the second one you know it, it takes it in a completely different level and it's beautiful looking the cinematography is amazing uh you know just denis villeneuve is my probably my favorite mainstream director working right now uh i i just think he's just got he, he knows how to put the camera or knows how to hire people who put the camera in the right place uh it's just it's it's a great movie wonderful fucking gosling performance i love the score i love everything about it um it's just it's just a fantastic movie now i will say as far as dawn goes out of the three newer apes movies it is i absolutely do agree the best one um i like rise quite a bit dawn is just fucking so fun and talk about another great villain performance toby kebbell's corpa is he's terrifying i mean he is terrifying you are literally scared of a cgi chimpanzee um and it works so so well the final sort of battle scene between him and caesar is just thrilling it's sad it's just it, it hits every note you know a final battle should um just you know let's say about war kind of the better but um yeah blade runner 2049 100 percent uh it's just it's perfect now uh we're moving forward with another interesting matchup because it's uh between two that are uh sequels in genres that aren't traditionally sequelized as much we have uh, a romantic sequel of sorts in the form of before sunset the second in the Richard Linklater Before series, versus Creed, the seventh in the Rocky franchise. Jonathan. All right. I, uh, I'm i just going to cut it to chase. I'm picking Creed. I think the uh, Before trilogy is all right. It's just not my cup of tea. 
I just couldn't really engage with the characters. I no no harm, no foul. It's just that Creed remade Rocky and still had its own identity. It's just the idea of doing Apollo Creed's son trying to become a boxer and being trained by Rocky sounds like fan fiction. You might as well have just created Adrian's Revenge from the Simpsons gag. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the, it, I, I just love having Sylvester Stallone coming back and his, his whole arc, like that scene it, where he just reveals like, yeah, I'm still here. Like he's, he's a wounded man. Most of his family is, is dead. He's estranged from his son. And then you have Adonis coming up, trying to find himself. And it's just beautiful. Like the, even the, the direction of the, of the boxing matches are just great. It's like one it's 100%. The reason why people wanted to, uh, to see uh, Ryan Coogler do black Panther. It, it, it all coalesced so perfectly that the minute you have Creed in the, in the title match, just, come out ready for the last bit. And and then they just play the Rocky music. I was bawling in the theater. Like, yes, you are Creed. You got it, man. Do it. Yeah. It's Creed. Easy. All right. Marcelo. Yes. Well, so I cannot disagree with anything uh, that Jonathan said about Creed. Okay. Absolutely. I agree with all those points. Uh, I love the Rocky movies and like Rocky Balboa, this came out and blew people away that weren't expecting like, you know, the seventh film in this franchise to be as great as, as it is. Um, and it, it ties so well into the franchise. It celebrates it. It, it elevates it to new places. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is incredible. So Stallone should have won the Oscar. Yes. It's amazing. But I gotta go with Before Sunset. That's my vote. Uh, I'm a Linklater guy, uh, not only because I live in Austin, yes, um, but also um, with a film like Before Sunset, uh, and I did just rewatch it on the big screen, a double feature of, of the first one and this one. So it's fresh in my mind. Um, saw it a few weeks ago. And it, it, it Sunset it does what Linklater's been like has been doing in a lot of his movies with like time and like how we perceive time and how it relates to how we connect with people. Um, and the way he just shoots sunset as just, you know, in real time, uh, uh, following this conversation between Delpy and Hawk um, and how we're, we're, re- we're reintroduced to these characters and we, and we see their heartbreak about like the the you know the last decade of life without each other, and the the reconnection and that ending. Again, I'm going with Before Sunset. Uh, beautiful sequel, beautiful movie, one of the Linklater's finest. Um, so yeah, there you go. All right, so it's one to one so far. Uh, this is a tough one. I think both of these are great examples of how to kind of continue from uh, the previous movies where especially like with Creed, like Rocky Balboa felt like such a great finale for that franchise. And when Creed was coming up, I did feel like, oh man, like Jonathan kind of mentioned like, oh, it's going to be fan fiction. It's going to be dumb. And that movie completely earned its existence worth. Not only just, I would say less creating, even uh, remaking Rocky. It's more remaking Rocky five. 
it's making that movie even more obsolete than it previously was. It's like the one real dud of that whole series because it's saying like literally like the Tommy Morrison arc that was butchered in that fifth movie and doing it beautifully with Adonis. I, I just love like the back and forth between Michael B. Jordan and Stallone so much in that movie. It's so stellar. Um, and there's like great choreography of the fight sequences and it, it's so clear that you know ryan coogler even after fruitvale station just continued his wonderful streak with that movie it's so stellar but i got aside about before sunset because i think re-watching it i it was, this was the one i hadn't seen in like ages before we were gonna do this so i rewatched like before sunrise the night before and then i rewatched sunset and sunset is like transcendent in terms of especially like doing it all within the span of, like, real time. It's maybe the best real-time movie that ever exists, where it's 80 minutes long, and it feels basically just like, oh, this is, like, an 80-minute, like, unbroken, like, conversation between two people over the course of that specific 80 minutes. And does such a great job with, like, their back-and-forth making that really feel cinematic, and at the same time still having such great monologues, particularly, like, Julie Delpy's big monologue at, like, the climax of that movie, talking about how that magical night ended up, like, kind of fucking her over mentally, and just how much she, like, thinks back on that and regrets, like, like, honestly, dwelling on it so much. Like, the only kind of hindrance I was like, oh, is I I remember liking Before Midnight even more, and that being my favorite. And rewatching, I still really love Before Midnight, even though that one is the one that just feels like this is the more painful experience on purpose, because it's like, oh, this is them after actually, ha- you know, after a while, you know, without spoiling anything if you haven't seen these movies. Uh, I, I think those three movies are so stellar. But I, I gotta say, I think Before Sunset is, like, a perfect movie, honestly. It's one of the many perfect movies on this particular list. Uh, so I'm gonna go uh, with that one. Adam. Well, I'll be 100% honest. I was not able to get Before Sunset in before we did this. I have never seen any of those movies. Um, and I'll be fully transparent it's for a silly reason. I can't fucking stand Ethan Hawke. I hate his face, so I just never like like I watch Training Day. Sweet, yeah, Gattaca, okay, and, and then I, uh, nah, <laughs> I just I, I you know it's a totally superficial reason, but I just never gave him a chance. Uh, I did mean to before we did this, uh, especially because I've heard Marcelo talk about them elsewhere and rave about them. Thomas has also raved about them to me, uh, so I do still fully plan on watching them, and I will definitely like update people with my thoughts on it and whether or not it would have changed my vote. But, but in fairness, I have to go Creed. It's the only one I've, it's, I have I haven't seen the other. Uh, but even with that being said, I do love Creed. Uh, I think it, it is just, it's phenomenal. It has no business being as good as it is. Like, like Jonathan said, it sounds like Rocky fanfic. Um, you know, the only difference is would like if Rocky, like, was in love with the ring itself or something and it came alive at night and they held each other. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but <laughs> it's probably the best Sylvester Stallone's been uh, since maybe even the first Rocky or Copland probably. Um, and I'd argue he hasn't been as good since uh, he's, he's just a wonderful performance from him. Even Creed two, he's not as good as he is in this one. Um, I think Creed two sort of gets boggled down by too much of like, nostalgia baby stuff with like drag now it's drago's son like yeah come on it's getting a little ridiculous but yeah creed is it's a great movie great boxing scenes i mean you know that's one thing you got to bring up too the sort of cinematography and the choreography of the boxing scenes themselves are it's thrilling it's exciting it might be the best that's ever been on screen period and you're including the entire rocky franchise it's absolutely wonderful and uh tessa thompson and and 
you know, Michael B. Jordan's chemistry is just so palpable and it, it's wonderful. You actually do feel like they're falling in love with each other. It, it's just, yeah, I, I, I go Creed. For the record, Rocky fan fiction would most likely involve the robot from four, which you can't erase <laughs> from history, Stallone. You can't erase it. <laughs> Happy birthday, Polly. Happy birthday. Yes. 100%. That would be my main character in my, my spinoff, Polly's Robot. Yeah, yeah. I love you, Polly. Draw me like your French girls. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Yes, but this is interesting. It's a it's a tight matchup here. Jessica, you have the deciding vote. Oh. All right. So I love a good sports movie. Love, love, love. But I am a huge Linklater fan. And I love, you know, Hawk and Delpy were co-writers on the sequel you know the dialogue feels deeper and you just feel the passage of time and just being the huge link later fan i am i have to break the tie and say before sunset all right well the sunset has not gone down on before sunset it has on creed <laughs> it did not win this matchup but you know what it's the real winner in our hearts i guess much mm-hmm. like the movie itself for for the record so creed you do not move on but before sunset does uh, as we get to the last matchup of the other side as, as we're an hour into this uh, we're in for the long haul everybody uh so now we have another really tough sci-fi matchup here with uh empire strikes back versus uh star trek 2 the wrath of khan the two star franchises face off against each other marcelo you are first uh, you say tough but for me not so tough uh, I, I, I don't know if I should build tension. Ooh, let me, let me build some tension. <laughs> okay. Let's start with Empire Strikes Back. Uh, yes. Classic sequel. Uh, I mean, uh, outside this bracket, if you ask anybody on the street, just any, 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 you know, Yahoo, you'd be like, Hey, what's the best sequel of all time? Empire Strikes Back is in the conversation, right? Even Scream 2 makes comment of it, right? Empire Strikes Back. Um, but for me, it's not even the best Star Wars sequel. That's The Last Jedi. Um, and I got to go with the movie that, has, uh, that is um, hanging up as a poster behind me right now, uh, Wrath of Khan. Uh, it's the best uh, sequel in that series, in the Star Trek series. Uh, it's the best sequel in regards to just any sequel because it's a sequel to an episode of a TV show <laughs> called space seed on the original star Trek. Um, it's, it's a fantastic sequel to that um, for even like the phrase legacy sequel came out. It's like, Oh, let's do a sequel to like a, a, a TV episode that came out like, you know, 20 years before the uh, uh, you know, the, the, the movie, which you're going to base the entire movie on this, on this TV episode. Um, it's a classic. It's heartbreaking in the end. I still cry every time I see it. I watch Wrath of Khan on my birthday every year. It's a personal pick for me. But having said that, it's still, a, a, for me, a perfect movie. Um, it's stunning. It's everything I love about Star Trek in one movie. Um, each character is at their best. Um, but yeah, I can go on and on, but I, I'm cutting to the chase, guys. It's, it's not a hard pick for me. Um, sure, Empire Strikes Back, classic, but for me, it's always going to be Wrath of Khan. So, Wrath of Khan. Well, from hell's heart, he stabs at the <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. Well, interesting. Um, well, I will say this is a bit tougher for me because I do love both these movies quite a bit. I think they both do a great job of, once again, advancing kind of off of the 
great movie that preceded it. Um, well, at least with Empire, that's more of the problem, I guess. It's like it's trying to follow up like the, this revolutionary movie that came out in 1977, and I think does a pretty great job introducing new elements and big twists, obviously, and all this other stuff. But Wrath of Khan also like not only has to follow up like that sequel that you're referring to, that that uh, episode of the TV show that Marcel was referring to, but also the first movie, which was infamously like a movie that made a lot of money, but everyone was like, it's so fucking boring. <laughs> it's just so many shots of the ship going off into space. It's a f- massive improvement over that particular movie. And I think it does such a great job with, like, you know, even as someone who, like, I, I'm i more of a Star Trek person from, like, the movies than any of the TV shows. Wrath of Khan was, I think, the first one of these I ever saw after I was really invigorated in the franchise with the J.J. Abrams' first one, the Star Trek 2009. And then I finally watched Wrath of Khan, like, oh my god, this is a masterpiece. Why didn't I ever watch this before? It's so stellar. Um, it's, it's pretty tough. I'm gonna have to go, I guess, with The Empire... If, if nothing else, though, because I think it does such a phenomenal job of, I think, introducing a lot of the elements that I think The Last Jedi would continue, and I think I agree that one is massively underrated in some communities, um, in terms of, like, really progressing and putting our heroes at a downturn by the end of it before the third film can potentially lift it up, um, you know, with a Return of the Jedi versus Rise of Skywalker, one could argue how successful those sequels were to their previous movies necessarily, uh, but I'm gonna go with Empire, I think it is, like, it's so meticulously, perfectly crafted, just slightly more than Wrath of Khan for me on that, but Adam, where are you going with this? Uh, fuck. <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> you motherfuckers. Uh, I, you know, this is a hard one for me too. I, it, absolutely. I mean, Empire is, you know, it's fucking Empire. It's, it's, you know, the the reveal of Vader as the father. You know, the introduction of Lando and Cloud City and and all of this just great, wonderful things that really shaped that franchise as a whole even in comparison to the first one. But I got to go Rathacon. Um, Rathacon to me is, you know, Marcel said it best, and I have used the word now about two other movies, but it's perfect. Uh, you know, Ricardo Montalban's Khan is one of my favorite on-screen movie villains from that franchise and all of sort of sci-fi alone. I think he's just so gleefully, gloriously over the top that it's just wonderful. Uh, absolutely cry at the end every time I watch it. Uh, the bagpipes, the, you know, the, the awful line delivery from, you know, Shatner. Uh, it's just it, but it fits perfectly. Um, it, it's just, Rathacon is such a great sort of naval battle in space. It, it's just, it's absolutely wonderful. It, it's, and then the earwig thing, gross. What the fuck? That like fucked me up as a kid so bad, you know. Like, oh my god, what? Is, oh no, why are they doing that to the guy from Terminator? Uh, it's just, yeah, it, it's just. But it's such a fucking just great science fiction film, the best sequel in the Star Trek franchise period. That includes the you know the next generation movies, the new ones, everything. It's just, it's absolutely flawless. All right. Well, so far, Wrath of Khan is winning it. Jessica, what's your say on this? Oh, God. Okay. Um, This is probably the hardest one for me, and I still haven't made up my mind, so I'm just going to talk it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I feel like I'm contradicting myself because I've kind of been going by, you know, is this the best sequel in the franchise? And that's been my criterion for judging. And 
if that's what I'm using, then Wrath of Khan has to win it. But my heart lies with the Empire Strikes Back, and I am going to have to vote Empire. I'm sorry. Wrath of Khan is amazing. I love it. But at the end of the day, there's just an expansiveness and a darkness to Empire that within the original trilogy makes it so special for me. And uh, before I talk myself out of it, I'm going to say Empire. Mm, yeah, pretty tough. Also, like I didn't even mention, but fucking Yoda is introduced in Empire Strikes Back. That's I think the big deciding factor. It's a fucking puppet. Like that's part of the big deciding <laughs> factor for me. It has, it has a fucking Frank Oz as a puppet in it. I can't. I can't not. There you but, go. You've talked me into it. Empire, it is. Yes, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now, Jonathan, you have the deciding factor on this. I don't envy you in this scenario. It's oh, this might be a no-win scenario for you. <laughs> It might yes. be real Kobayashi Maru for you. Yes, I have been Kobayashi Maru'd on this hard. Uh, because I, what I do love about The Empire Strikes Back as a film is that it, it expands on the Star Wars universe in ways that people never thought of because everyone had ideas of just more smuggling and all that stuff. But like you said, we had Yoda. We had uh, uh, the whole Han and Leia subplot of them being basically stranded, trying to get place to place. We are introduced to Lando Calrissian. And of course, the biggest twist of all time that is repeated and parodied, even in one of the other contenders, who's now out, Toy Story 2, Vader being Luke's father. I feel that with the uh, Wrath of Khan is that it's a very good Star Trek movie. I kind of feel like it actually is more of its a first part of another trilogy of just how Spock comes back because spoilers, they bring Spock back. It's, it's like, I feel as if that Star Trek had a better idea of making even the movies into at least more episodic in the way that they are. Con- the, the episodes of a f- ongoing story, I should say rather than episodic, but the idea that they're all connected in a way that's far more direct than you, that you could expect while empire is then has has returned the jedi which has problems but it's not a complete break as we said like empire has affected people in so many ways that now it's more like if people say they like empire you have to ask them follow questions on what is their other favorite star wars movies because it just feels like people just like to say empire is their favorite because it's the quote unquote best one of the original trilogy then Wrath of Khan is the one with the is like the first big Star Trek movie that people were actually really into. And then you get into the other sequels like Then Discovered uh, Country or Journey. I, even I'm messing up on the subtitles, but it's it's so hard and I'm just rambling now. Uh, OK. I will go with. Empire. Oh, oh the tension. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to the edge of my seat. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, it is lose-lose. Well, oh, uh, well, Empire will be moving forward, but Wrath of Khan, you have been and always shall be our friend as you go off the record. Thomas, do you have one for every one of these? <laughs> <laughs> I've come up with these on the fly, baby. No, oh, all fantastic. no prep. No prep. You're amazing. Oh. All right, so now we're moving on to the right side of the bracket here, and we've got another action matchup that's, I think, very fascinating. We've got uh, The Raid 2 versus Mission Impossible Fallout, and I'm starting off here, 
And I think these both have um, a, a curious space in terms of, uh, with The Raid 2, it's one that I hadn't seen since uh, actually I'd seen it in theaters, as well as I saw it at South By for the premiere, and also the weird screening where I was about to see it, and then the subtitles wouldn't work. So I had to go to a oh, separate South by South. You were there, okay? Yeah. Yep, I was. I was there. Yes, <laughs> never forget. Uh, but yeah, I I really dig a lot of things about Raid Two. I think it does a great job of like the the first Raid is like such an obviously self contained story that works really well, and then Raid Two does an interesting job of really expanding, especially with like getting to more of like the weeds of like the crime syndicates that are going on all this other stuff. I really respect a lot of what it's doing there, and then Mission Impossible Fallout. Is like with that series, it's so weird how I really dig the original Mission Impossible. Two is not my favorite, but it's still fascinating as an artifact of the year 2000. And then from like three onward, we get progressively just like such great examples of how to do like modern blockbuster action that's so stellar and it's like the lifeline that's keeping Tom Cruise's career alive at this point uh, in terms of the box office stuff. But it's it's kind of tough there, but I gotta say, I think. What's so fascinating is with Fallout, Fallout is the only one of those movies where I feel like each action sequence tops the other preceding it. With, like, the other Mission Impossible movies, like, they're all at least very good, but usually they kind of open and end on two of their best action sequences. With Fallout, each one is better than the next one, leading up all the way to that amazing helicopter chase. It's so stellar. The momentum that continues throughout that movie is so phenomenal, despite it's also pretty long. Versus The Raid 2, I think it has, like, an opening third and closing third that are, like, so phenomenal and so full of, like, all this action. And in the middle, there's a lot of fun action, but that crime story, I think, really bogs down that movie. <laughs> Despite still being very impressive, I prefer the sort of, like, compact action of the original Raid, by comparison. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Mission Impossible Fallout, though no disrespect to Raid 2. Adam? Uh, I'm in the exact same boat as you are. I, I love the Raid movies. I love the Raid probably more than Part 2. I do like Part 2. I mean... Hammer Girl and Baseball Bat. I mean, come on, what the fuck? It's so crazy violent. And then the final, you know, sort of fight in the kitchen versus the assassin is so just expertly choreographed and nonstop insanity. I mean, it's just a thrill to watch. I've watched just that scene probably more than I've seen either of the movies. I, I think it's just such a just masterfully choreographed sort of martial arts scene. Uh, but Fallout, man... You know, I agree with everything you said 100%. And plus, there's there's two things in that movie that just I, I absolutely love. One, Henry Cavill cocking his arms <laughs> like they're weapons. Yes. He's just, I mean, he just unloads on that guy. And Henry Cavill's mustache. Why would you ever digitally remove it? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. That would be a terrible mistake. No, uh, yeah, Mission Possible Fallout just, it, it, it's the best of the franchise. That franchise just keeps getting great uh i agree 100 percent with you thomas about how you even describe the franchise as a whole yeah the action is so crazy and over the top but it's just so well done and it's so thrilling and it's so exciting uh yeah i fall out all the way all right jessica where are you going when i first saw this matchup i was like oh raid too easily but the more i thought about it and you know your points thomas about the way it just keeps building and bettering itself though it just keeps the momentum is just perfection i think i'm gonna have to go with fallout as well would win just for henry cavill cocking his arms alone to be honest with you so this was not 
um, the blowout for Raid 2 I thought it was going to be, I'm going to go with Fallout as well. All right. Well, Mission Possible Fallout is going to be moving on. It's got the three out of five. Jonathan, though, where would you have gone? Oh, I actually nominated the Raid 2, and I have really a strange relationship with Mission Impossible. Try watching a sequel here and there, and people rave about it. It just doesn't click with me. Like, the the crazy action for a spy thriller, I could go to Fast and Furious or James Bond or Bourne. I think the only good thing about Fallout really is just uh, Cavill... Uh, cocking his arms but i can just uh, match that with assassin's little uh shimmying as he gets closer to to Ra- uh, rama and the kitchen fight like i honestly so just good. yeah it's so great the the second act of the raid 2 has a lot of great action scenes especially with uh yayan uh, uh ryoban even though he's not playing the same character as the original but he's still phenomenal and he has a s- sweet little arc i actually like the crime uh, story so overall i think it is a better exp- is a it's a better expansion of the previous movie compared to the two so i would go with the raid two even if it wasn't a blowout well yes and once again your vote does not matter marcelo but who would you have gone with <laughs> oh well it all matters because uh my favorite of these two got uh, got ahead uh, i had mission impossible fallout on my list uh, that i sent you guys and it is uh, my favorite of the series. I agree with everything that's been said about it in the positive light. Um, <laughs> I do connect with this series. It's I'm I would have to say my favorite action series. I love the spy genre. It's the best uh, best spy movies around. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess I'll say more about Fallout as it continues on uh, in 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 the uh, the one on ones later. But I'll say. Special shout out to Raid 2. I do love Raid 2. Um, you know, coincidentally, yes, I was at that South by Southwest. Um, I wasn't at the uh, premiere where the subtitles wouldn't show up and they had to cancel it. Um, I was at another screening. And I remember distinctly being in, in the theater. Um, they tried to play it like once or twice and the subtitle problem kept happening. And finally, like the third time, as soon as the subtitles came on screen, the audience cheered. Fantastic moment. And then the rest of the movie blew me away because, oh, great two, It's amazing. But yeah, I got to give the edge to, like I said, Fallout. Uh, I mean, it's already moving ahead. I'm so happy it is because uh, it is, it is it, it's a favorite of mine. It's uh, one of the best action movies in the last like, you know, 20 years. Love it. Yes, unfortunately, Raid 2 is not moving on, though shout out to, um, I believe it was Iko Uwe's, um, and I forgot which other one of the guys was there. I, they were so desperate because the subtitles weren't working that the two of them got up and did a very impromptu martial arts presentation, basically, <laughs> to make up <laughs> yeah, for Yeah, I do remember hearing about that. Right, yeah. for a second, because like, all oh, those poor guys, <laughs> just like it's not working out. Uh, but we move on to... Uh, the another horror matchup, a very interesting one. Two sequels that kind of took their original films and did a more comedic spin on either of them. We have Evil Dead 2 versus Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Adam, you're starting us off this round. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this might be this might be my most difficult matchup that we've had yet. Uh, I love both of these movies so so much. Um, both of them, you know, just took the franchise into such well one of them successfully took the franchise into a direction that it ultimately became and the other one really went for the fucking gusto and it's sort of a one-off thing um man 
I love Texas Chainsaw 2. I think it's my favorite of the franchise. Uh, I think it's just so batshit zany, crazy, and like just out there. I mean, Dennis Hopper alone is just wonderful. You know, having two chainsaws like he's a gunslinger. It, it's just, it's absolutely wonderful. He goes crazy by himself for about 25 minutes, just sawing random pieces of wood and screaming. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's so great. And then, of course, you know, Chop Top, Bill Mosley, who just, if it wasn't that it's Bill Mosley and you know how nice of a guy he is and how great he is, it, it would almost be a grading performance because it's just nonstop ad-libbing, but it works because the character. Um, and there's just some great lines, you know, like, you know, lick my plate, you dog dick. Like, what the fuck? But the fact of the matter that Evil Dead 2 sort of took the franchise, changed it into ultimately what made it very, even more successful and more mainstream. Because uh, full transparency, Tuck Chainsaw 2 was one of my picks, but I, oh, son of a bitch. I got to go Evil Dead 2. I, I just think Evil Dead 2 is one of the most perfect horror comedies uh, maybe ever. Uh, so, fuck Evil Dead 2. Mm, so far, Battle of the Chainsaw is going to Evil Dead 2's favor. But, Jessica, where do you side on this one? This is actually one of the easiest ones for me. Um, Evil Dead 2 is my vote. Um, because it's such an iconic horror comedy. It is so foundational for not just that franchise but so many other movies that came in its wake it's such a it's such an interesting reimagining like it's not quite a sequel not quite a remake i'm just just so fascinated with them taking it in a different direction and finding this magic um just it's it's iconic for a reason and um i'm not gonna say much about texas chainsaw 2 because i don't want um villagers with pitchforks and torches coming after me so my vote is evil dead too Ooh, keeping some thoughts to herself <laughs> don't, don't worry it's behind a paywall no one's gonna <laughs> <laughs> the masses will not hear your hot takes <laughs> uh but we shall move on to Jonathan. Oh, it, I, this is a tough one because you have you have the quintessential uh, Sam Raimi film that isn't a Spider-Man. And you have the craziest I can think of of 80s coked out Dennis Hopper. Like I what I love about Texas Chainsaw 2 is it's sorry, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I know so many sequels. I should say the name fully just to be safe. Uh, that the, the entire radio station scene for him, you have Bill Mosley just scraping at his metal plates and talking that weird accent. And then Leatherface comes in and he has his chainsaw just not working properly. And I forgot the actress's name right now, but her just trying to encourage him to get back up going. Like it's so silly. And I can't not deny that it's that it is actually a good sequel. It may not be and the great expansion compared to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it has that level of uh, it needs to have that kind of recognition. But unfortunately, I have to go with the Evil Dead because it it made a decent horror movie into a great horror comedy franchise. There's no way around it. It's that's just how it is. Well, Evil Dead 2 is moving on. Marcelo and I's thoughts don't necessarily matter, but Marcelo, please, who would you have gone with? 
my thought matters to me. That's important. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, okay. Yes, this for me. This for me. This was very tough. Um, I I do love Evil Dead too. I'm, uh, you know, right now there there could be a chance that uh, Raimi could be facing off against himself. You know, with Spider Man two and now Evil Dead two. So th- I love that. Okay, don't get me wrong. Evil Dead two, amazing. But I would have gone with Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, uh, my favorite of that franchise. Um, I, yes, I love it better than the original. Um, and it just had so much insanity similar to like i was saying like uh with like batman returned it's like how how can a movie just just do what it does like the the stuff that happens in part two uh it's it's just so bizarre um that like uh, you know dennis hopper having a a chainsaw you know battle with leatherface uh, pinnacle of cinema in my opinion. Um, but yeah, a, a personal favorite of mine. I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. A shame it didn't get ahead, but uh, I understand. Evil Dead 2 is amazing. But yeah, I would have picked Massacre 2. Yeah, well, well uh, your thought matters to you. Mine doesn't matter to me, <laughs> but I'm still going to go ahead and say <laughs> okay. it anyway. Um, I mean, I, I I would agree this is kind of tough in terms of like, I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is quite frankly the only one of those sequels I give any kind of a shit about. Because they, Toby Hooper famously was just like, I don't want to do a sequel to that movie. He waited 12 years until they got enough money from Canon to make two other movies. So he was like, fine, I'll do a Texas Chainsaw movie. And what he decided to do, instead of just kind of recreating the first movie like every other fucking sequel to and remake and whatever basically did in this franchise, he was just like, I'm going to make the rickety carnival ride that those people would have fucking gone on at the local carnival that probably would have murdered people, <laughs> basically. Just held together by, like, glue and duct tape to some degree. And I think that's incredibly charming and weird and bizarre in a way that's fascinating. And I love Bill Mosley so much just chopped up just so many just just kind of like everything i love about what toby hooper really ended up being where like that original movie is almost like an art movie but any of other toby hooper's movies are like this which is like they're insane geek shows that don't make much sense whatsoever but i find them really fascinating but i still would have probably gone with evil dead 2 it i could well I'll go on with thoughts on evil dead 2 later uh because it'll continue on the matchups but it, it's such a pinnacle and has a similar kind of rickety quality to texas chainsaw 2 because it was also very low budget but doesn't show it at all on the screen like they took their limited budget and just put it all like every literally they throw the kitchen sink at you at the end of that movie <laughs> and it's just like it, it does not hold back at all which i will makes me go more in favor to Evil Dead 2 in that matchup. Now, this one's interesting because we have the two oldest films on the bracket here, where we have uh, 1935's Bride of Frankenstein versus uh, 1974's The Godfather Part 2, which was probably inevitable (laughs) on this list for many reasons. Jessica, you are first in the order. Uh, th- both of these were my picks. Um, I, I remember when I DM'd you, I was like, if somebody else has already picked these, let me know and I'll come up with something. And I was surprised when you said no, I was the only one <laughs> to suggest them because like, I, I figured Godfather 2 was inevitable. I thought, well, I'll mention it just in case because you kind of have to. Um, God, this is, I, I feel like a fool for saying anything but Godfather 2 because that's kind of the gold standard in terms of sequels that somehow surpass the original. But I am going to go with Bride of Frankenstein um, just because it's it's so much weirder and queerer and scarier in some ways. 
And I've always been fascinated with the fact that the bride is on screen for just the briefest of moments, but became one of the most iconic figures in cinema history. And I, you know, Elsa Lanchester's performance is just incredible. James Whale is incredible. I might get kicked off film Twitter, but I have to say Bride of Frankenstein for this one. Don't worry, they're not listening. <laughs> Unless they pay their dollar, in which case we appreciate it, film Twitter. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. But, uh, Jonathan, where are you going? Yeah, this is a little harder because it. I came to The Bride of Frankenstein uh, later in life because I, th- I guess it was just one of the few universal monster movies that I just overlooked because I just saw the iconic bride scream look. Like, it's... That's that's what everyone talks about. Uh, but with The Godfather, I guess looking at that, it is the quintessential sequel. Like it's even more than Empire. So you have the toughest uh, choice with going into delving into the history of the of the family and actually understanding how it all came to be and how it connects versus. I guess it can be considered more of a gothic romance than a full horror movie, but I guess it just is really hard to actually pick because yeah, you have phenomenal performances from both sides: Pacino, Karloff, Lancaster. It's like it's it's like I don't want to just pick The Godfather Two because it's The Godfather Two, but I feel like it's more that the uh, Bride of Frankenstein is far more of just a pleasant surprise rather than a a better sequel to the original Frankenstein. So I got to go the the basic way and go with Godfather 2. Okay, Jonathan, going basic with Godfather Part 2 by his own admission. But Marcelo, are you going to go basic or are you going to be the rebel? Okay, here. Okay, thanks for setting me up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I, I will say I love Bride of Frankenstein. It's one of those I haven't seen in decades. I think I saw this as a youth on like Turner Classic Movies and it blew me away. I still have scenes of it like, you know, in my mind, you know, years and years later. I bought a print from an art show of The Bride and it's it's like sitting on my shelf next to a print of Catwoman from Batman Returns and I see those two every day when I walk in. Um yeah, it, it's it's iconic. It's a fantastic sequel. I can, uh, but this is tough because I I might have to go basic and say Godfather two because it's the Godfather. It's the I those two movies. Um, I, I did see the first one again. Um, they're they're playing it on the big screen, and I saw it a few weeks ago. That first one's still stellar, amazing. Yes, obviously classic. Um, and last year, I I, I wanted to watch uh, the Godfather Part Two just randomly. I'll like, put on Godfather Part Two, and I was I was I was uh, I put in the disc, and it was scratched. And I couldn't play it. I was heartbroken, and I just watched like the first thirty minutes, and, like the last forty minutes of the Godfather Part Two, and it was still better than in most movies. <laughs> That, a weird edit of like the Godfather Part Two I saw. That movie, Part Two, it is one of the best sequels ever. It's it's it still holds the test of time. It it's it's phenomenal. I have to go Godfather Two. I have to go basic. That's my vote. Godfather Part Two. After that disc betrayed you, did you kiss it and say you broke my heart? You broke <laughs> yeah, my <okay>. heart. <laughs> 
Uh, I can't wait for it. I can't wait for that 4K release, though. That is true. It's coming up soon. Yes. Um, Now, for me, um, very tough. Like, these are two, I think, great examples of how to really, like, completely expand what you do with the original movie so much. I I think with, like, Godfather Part 2, obviously, like, the various different structures it goes on with, like, being partially a prequel but also a sequel and going back and forth. I rewatched, like, that in Godfather last weekend, and you just forget how, like, the first movie is such a great example of, like, familiar, like, epic storytelling that had been done previously in films, but just done with so much more of, like, uh, a, a micro kind of, like, familial like, back and forth between all the actors. It felt like a real family with all the warts and all that, like, these people were able to portray. And obviously, given my lineage, it just it looks like my fucking family's scrapbooks. Like, so much of both these movies have that. Like, Godfather 2 especially, which is, like, it, it, it looks like I'm looking at my ancestry with so many moments, particularly with, like, all the Robert De Niro stuff. It feels so... It's, like, so quintessentially, like, old Italian for all of its, like I said, faults and beauty and all this other stuff. I think that it's such a stellar way of continuing that story. And I think Brian Frankenstein also does that so perfectly well with like, especially considering you're following up a movie that was done in that weird transitional stage from sound being invented. The original movie doesn't even have a score. And like one of the first scores is in Bride of Frankenstein. And it's like, just to mention, it's so much more of a queer story. I love particularly Ernest Thessinger as uh, Dr. Pretorius is one of my favorite, like mad scientist characters. And just like all so many like great bips and turns like it's, it's both these are so great it's so hard to choose but i think the thing that'll clinch it for me is godfather does that in an over three hour running time bride of frankenstein does all that in 75 fucking minutes that is so tough to be able to do that in such a compact amount of time you forget how quickly that movie flies by honestly it's barely over an hour so i'm gonna have the slide edge to bride i am sorry me familia Please don't put the horse's head in my bed. Please. For the love of God. But, Adam, it is up to you. You are the deciding factor. Where will you be going? Uh, before I vote, I was going to ask, Thomas, are you Italian? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm very Greek. That's the twist. You, you did, <laughs> I'll tell you, because you have dropped no hints. <laughs> um, it's pretty great. In the history of the podcast, uh, we've never made yeah, bad never, Italian jokes. Never, never, no, never, never. never. I got a lot to say about what I'm going to pick. So I think I'm just going to pick it and then say what I got to say. So I'll tell you what. Godfather 2. Sorry. Okay, did you have anything else to add to that? Or- <laughs> no, I'm going to say I'm going to save it. I'm, I'm going to save it. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I love Brian Frankenstein. I love Pretorius. I, I love just the iconic scene of when she screams at Frankenstein's monster and just how insane that, like even Jessica pointed out, and she's absolutely right, a character that has maybe 10 minutes of screen time has become one of the most iconic movie monsters ever made. Uh, it, it's just Godfather 2. Godfather 2. Well, it looks like Bride of Frankenstein belongs dead. The castle is crumbling. It will not be proceeding as Godfather 2 continues forward. But our next matchup... Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade versus uh, the MCU pick on here, uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Jonathan, you are starting this off, so please. Okay, so these are both of my choices, so this is just, this is awful. I have to choose between two children. (sighs) Okay. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade 
is a toned down uh, story compared to Temple of Doom. And I think it's for the better because there's a lot of stuff that does not age well about Temple of Doom, which really boosts uh, Last Crusade in, in, in being a better sequel. And including Sean Connery as Henry Jones Sr. is like the perfect thing to actually do and actually recontextualize Indy's entire story from the previous two movies and expanding on going into uh, the obsession of the grail and the adventure. Like it felt like a complete story and it actually uh, did far more self-reflection than a future movie or two could do in Indiana Jones, which it really should have stopped at a last crusade. It's even last, even though it's supposed to be more about the crusades itself, but it works as the, a uh, great serial story, the the Globetrotter adventure, and it's dealing with punching Nazis. So it also fits with uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which I feel is, especially with how the MCU works, it's the best sequel to the quote-unquote standalone franchises because now everything is all interconnected. But it expands on the the themes of Captain America and put it in a, into a modern setting while using the uh, plotting of a, of a, of a thriller and actually bringing back Bucky, which is a huge mainstay in the MCU, but it was a very focused story on Steven and Bucky's actual relationship as best friends and men who have been, who have gone through time either being frozen or being manipulated. And I think it culminates so perfectly with uh, uh, where you just have Robert Redford come in, basically playing one of his other roles just from the 70s, just all together. It works to elevate the MCU, especially at a point where everyone was thinking they were just going to re, uh, redo uh, the Avengers or try to be more Iron Man-like. It broke the mold for uh, future sequels, and it still works as a standalone part two to the first Avenger. And even if you haven't seen the first Avenger, it also works if your only exposure to Steve Rogers was the Avengers movie. So it works either way in however you want to see it as a sequel. And that's why this is impossible for me to choose. So I am just going to draw from the ether and figure out which one will be my pick. And it's the Winter Soldier. <laughs> I literally just flipped the coin. I'm that bad. Oh, okay. I thought when you said the ether, just like did you do some like Harry Potter spell or some bullshit? Just like I, I, I instantly thought Malekith. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, he's absolutely it up. But that's true, oh, right? Shit. Right from the most underrated of the sequels, Thor: The Dark World. That's true. Why was that not on this list? Right, exactly. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm right, what stuff. the fuck? I know. Right. Yes, but Winter Soldier gets a vote from Jonathan Marcello. Where are you going? Yeah, so this one is tough, but in a different way, because uh, both of these films, I wouldn't consider my favorite of the series uh, in terms of sequels. Um, yes, I'm one of the lunatics who thinks Temple of Doom is better than Last Crusade. Uh, I admit it. Um, but I love Last Crusade a lot. I mean, it, it's uh, it's um, that trilogy of movies, and I say trilogy of Indiana Jones movies, um, fantastic. Uh, one, two, and three. And three is a perfect ending to that series. Um, 
and there's so many action moments in that that are that are fantastically put together. Um, so many lines of that of, of Last Crusade, you know, still so quotable. Um, it's amazing. Last Crusade's amazing. Going to Winter Soldier, uh, see, <laughs> I do think that one is a solid entry in that franchise in the Captain uh, America franchise. But I I do love Civil War a lot more. And if we were to like expand things out to, you know, every MCU, you know, sequel, uh, I put like the Russos, like Infinity War and like uh, Endgame above uh, Winter Soldier. Um, again, but that, but, you know, that's not to, to, to say Winter Soldier is, is bad in, in, in my book. It's a solid spy thriller. Um, so having said all that, I have to give the edge out to Last Crusade because like, uh, I got to go with like Spielberg doing Spielberg uh, action movie blockbuster in the best way. It's it's enjoyable from start to finish. Love Sean Connery in it. So that's where I'm going. Uh, Last Crusade. All right. Uh, so far, neck and neck uh, for these two. Um, I'll just say with my turn here, um, like Indiana Jones and Last Crusade feels like it's pretty much the big payoff, even though those movies are obviously so like um, kind of standalone in terms of the actual adventure. There's not a lot that continues onward, even though this one kind of, like, references a few things. Obviously, they've been referenced in all these other movies. I still think that one feels kind of like a great capper payoff with especially just so much of Indiana having to deal with, like, Sean Connery as his father. Like, so much of that back and forth is so perfect. And even I think it does such a great job of integrating back the characters like Sala or uh, Brody or some of these other guys. Like, it does such a great job of returning them and doing such fun stuff. It feels kind of like a course correction course correction from Temple of Doom, which I like a lot of Temple of Doom. I kind of agree that there's some elements that don't hold up extremely well, even though I think there's still a lot of fun to be had at the same time in that movie. Um, and then Captain America the Winter Soldier, I do agree. I think it's the best of sort of the actual sequels within the standalone franchise, because I think it takes some of the elements from the first Avenger Captain America movie and does a pretty good job of, like, putting him in the modern age, having him deal with that difficulty of, like, his passing back to haunt him. I think um, it's the best use of Bucky in any of those movies. I think it's... The big problem, I think, with Captain America the Winter Soldier is a lot of the stuff that works here in this movie, like the action sequences or Bucky, it becomes such a problem to me with the other MCU movies where, like, the Russo's way of staging action sequences becomes so much more dull, personally, with, like, Civil War and some of these other movies that it, it really, I think, kind of helps to turn that franchise into the samey franchise it would continue to be from this point, and Winter Soldier's kind of like the epicenter of that. Um, but still, a lot of it works in this particular movie. I still think it's it, it's one of the upper tier of the MCU movies, though I would have said the best sequel would have been like a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, if we're actually saying one from the MCU, because I think that's an actual better sequel <laughs> to its original movie. Um, but I'm going to go with Last Crusade. I think, if nothing else, the big uh, sunset finale ends that series. It should have ended that series so phenomenally well right there. Adam, where are you going with this? I love Last Crusade. We've talked about it on our own show, Thomas. Uh, I think it's, you know, a damn near perfect, you know, sequel, or if you want to even call it the third one in a franchise, with the way it ends, with the introduction of Sean Connery's character and how well it's handled. With It's just, it's so fun. I, that's the one thing I could say about Last Crusade, if nothing else, that it's just, it's fun. I always smile while watching it. I love Sean Connery's back and forth, you know, with uh, Harrison Ford, it's just, it's perfect. Uh, their, their sort of relationship, you know, Jesus Christ, that slaps him, you know, that's for blasphemy. Like, yeah, dude, get him, fuck him. Uh, but, 
Winter Soldier is my favorite MCU movie. I know that might sound crazy to some people, uh, but I absolutely love it. I think it's such a cool spy thriller. I mean, it takes Captain America and makes a boring movie out of it. Uh, I think it's the best sort of action, small action set pieces. You know, some of them are way more grandiose that we get in the MCU movies, but I think it's the best small action set pieces we get. The hand-to-hand fights, the up-close and personal CQC stuff, the elevator scene. I mean, I just think it's so fun and thrilling and exciting. Um, I think it's the best maybe I can't say it's the best Evans has done as a Captain America. I say that's probably end game, but he's really good at it. It, it, You know, Sebastian's great. Robert Redford's really fun in it. Uh, It was probably my favorite Scarlett Johansson has been as black widow, um, which, you know, I know she doesn't do a lot in this, but I think what she does do is she's really fucking great at it. I love that. It's George St. Pierre. It's shitty Batrock, the leaper. Like why would if Batrock, the leaper. All right, cool. And they make him like really formidable and kind of scary and tough. Uh, I, I just think uh, winter soldier is, ugh, it's my favorite sequel of the MCU. So therefore I go winter soldier. All right. Neck and neck. Jessica, you are the deciding factor. Who wins this? All right. So I'm sticking with my criteria of not necessarily the best movie, but the best sequel in terms of expanding on or improving on previous entries. And to me, if you compare any Indiana Jones movie to Raiders of the Lost Ark, you're going to come up short. But Winter Soldier, I'm with Adam on this. That is my favorite MCU movie. I think it's the strongest. I think it has the most interesting viewpoint. Um, I, a lot of the action, I think, stands out in the franchise. I love that it wanted to, like it brought in a lot of the, obviously the Brubaker storyline and it became this paranoid 70s thriller that actually wanted to make some social and political commentary. I'm a huge fan of Batroc the Leaper. I like weird villains. And I cheered so much when he showed up I it made me very very happy to see one of my pet villains show up on screen, but yeah, to me this is the strongest MCU entry. So in terms of the best sequel, I gave it to Winter Soldier. All right, Captain America: The Winter Soldier continues fourth. Indiana Jones: and The Last Crusade has chosen poorly, drinking from the wrong cup, <laughs> and has completely disintegrated in this matchup. Now we have our next matchup is a uh, sort of a James Cameron matchup in terms of we have uh, the two sequels he's done with uh, Terminator 2 versus Aliens. So Ellen Ripley versus Sarah Connor. Marcelo, you are first. Who are you going with? Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. This, this one is tough. Um, this is James Cameron um, doing what he does best, in my opinion, uh, doing sequels to uh, classic movies uh, like in, in Aliens. It's a perfect premise to expand on Alien. It's like, let's just add an S to it with a W and then the line through it, it'll be a dollar sign. That's the premise. It's more, more money, more aliens. And it works. Oh God, it, it works so well. And it builds on Ripley as a character and makes her, you know, if you didn't love her in the first one, you definitely love her in this one. Cameron's strengths are like writing like um, strong characters like Ripley's and it shines in aliens and then going to Terminator two, it expands on, you know, Cameron's first Terminator movie. Um, And, you know, the special effects of it are 
groundbreaking. The story in it is incredible. Um, uh, I'm now realizing like I can speak more highly of aliens and like speak more on it than Terminator 2. So I guess I have to go with aliens because I think aliens for me has just stood the test of time. The alien in, in the alien franchise is my favorite movie monster. So that being said, I'm going with aliens on this one. Okay, um, it is my turn now, and I think this is obviously tough. I think Cameron kind of gets the a lot of acclaim for managing to do sequels that do such a great job of uh, you know advancing what had been done previously. Very curious to see how those Avatar movies work out. Those sequels will be very fascinating. See how all forty five of those sequels turn out. Uh, but with you know T two and Aliens, I, I think they do such a great job, of, especially of just like really changing up even the genres from the previous movies where like both alien and even Terminator feel more like horror. One is like a sort of a haunted house movie in space versus the other one is like a slasher movie where your Michael Myers is actually a robot. And then these two both make them even more specifically action sci-fi movies and do a really great job with them. I think particularly like, you know, Sigourney Weaver and Linda Hamilton are do such a great job of really doing different things with those characters and just really advancing where they both have like some kind of maternal instinct in them, but also have this like true guardedness because they've been through such horrible shit. I think he does a great job with, with that for both of them, but my vote goes slightly more to Terminator 2, if nothing else, because I think like as much as I love like the Xenomorphs, I think Robert Patrick is more terrifying to me <laughs> as just like an actual movie monster to face off against. He's just like this guy who's dressed up as a cop and is just chasing after you with the way that he runs. It's just like, oh, he looks human. But then he can easily transform into, like, any human around you and then completely decimate you with, like, his liquid metal. It's so upsetting. And just the... Every single, like, big action sequence is astonishing in, like, both these movies. But T2, I think, just takes the cake with just, like, the way it combines, like, CG and practical stuff so perfectly. Like, the whole helicopter chase that happens, like, during the climax of this movie or all the stuff at Cyberdyne and how just everything blows up. I, I will take the edge to Terminator 2 myself on that. Adam... What are you going with? Uh, well, first, we should probably announce that Terminator 2 was the other Patreon pick. Yes, that's true. Shaquille Lambert, who was previously on last time's March Madness. Yes. Yep, yep. Uh, that was his choice. And it's a fucking great choice. I mean, it's a choice that I purposely didn't put on my list because like, somebody else is going to vote for it, so I didn't want to waste the spot. I mean, if that sounds, you know, shitty, then oh well. I guess I'm shitty. But uh, – this was a very hard one. This is very, very difficult. Um, I love Terminator 2. Terminator 2, to me, is almost action sci-fi perfection. Almost. Uh, there is a glaring problem with Terminator 2, and I, I don't care if I'm the one to say it. Edward Furlong is so unlikable in this in this movie. Um, and he's just... I can't... Even as a child, I, I, I was just... I couldn't get behind this is John Connor like this, this kid grows up to be the savior of the human race. Like this is okay. Well, whatever, fine. Uh, And, you know, as I get older then I I can look past that sort of, uh, but I find that even if I can find one fault in Terminator two, it is simple as it might be. I find no faults with aliens. Um, I think aliens is sci-fi action perfection with a little dash of horror thrown in um i love the sort of ragtap group of marines uh i I love that they all have their own crazy weird personality but you feel like they've been a group for so long um 
Sigourney Weaver fucking crushes it. But I really want to shout out also Paul Reiser as the sniveling corporate sort of schmuck is so good. He's so good in, in Aliens. Um, and of course, Lance Henriksen's Bishop is one of the most iconic sort of Android performances maybe ever. Uh, it, it's, it's, I, I gotta go Aliens, even for the claustrophobia aspects of it all because i am a claustrophobic and it hits me in just the right way um I, I i just i think aliens from start to finish is such a just escalating spectacle until you get to the end and it just it works in every way for me all right so aliens could win uh depending on how these next two votes go jessica what are you going with i love both these movies and i thought that i had never seen t2 before and was incorrect i had completely forgotten that i watched this movie i don't know how but i rewatched it and you know, i don't have a problem with edward furlong in this i don't have in a single problem with this movie but aliens is a film that i can pretty much quote from start to finish this is a movie that has seared itself into my brain there are so many incredible moments in it to me and taking the original film, which is this, you know, perfect haunted house in space movie and just going balls to the wall action, I think is such a brilliant move and it's still scary as hell, but it's just this perfect, funny, amazing little action movie. Well, not little, but action movie. I, I have to give this one to aliens because just, uh, <laughs> I know that, um, T2 probably has seeped into the pop culture consciousness quite a bit more with some of Schwarzenegger's lines and uh, just the, you know, myriad parodies of it. But to me, uh, Aliens is more iconic and has more iconic moments. And I don't necessarily think it's better than Alien, but I think I prefer it to Alien, maybe, possibly. So my vote is Aliens. All right. Well, Aliens is moving forward, but Jonathan, what would you have gone with? Uh, this is just difficult. I was trying to think of everything about each film, and it just feels like they're on par with each other. You could snipe back saying Edward Furlong, his voice cracks throughout the movie because he's growing up. And then you can bring up that Vasquez is played by a white Jewish woman. You can bring up all these great points of you have the alien queen being this great domineering monster and then you also have just a cop. He has liquid metal powers, but a white cop chasing down a child is scary. So I can't just pick, like, there's not like one strong fault to make me go one way or the other, because even they're, they are expanding from the sequels. But from everything else, just from pure enjoyment, I think I can sit down and watch T2 more often than I can sit down and watch Aliens. It's it's almost like another coin toss, just depending on my mood, but it feels more like I could sit through the entire movie with uh, T2 or I would get distracted with aliens after, after like sometime halfway through and probably just fast forward through the action scenes. Well, Jonathan, I know now why you cry, but it is something I can never do. As T2 is put into the lava, it is gone and aliens continues forward. But now, Another interesting matchup, we have sort of the Amblin matchup, as it were, where we have uh, Back to the Future Part 2 versus Gremlins 2, the new match. 
and I'm starting here, and full transparency that Gremlins 2, the new batch, uh, is my wild card pick. It was the one where I'm like, you know, I want to really have a weird one on this list, and it doesn't get much weirder than Gremlins 2, which is, like, <laughs> Gremlins 2 is definitely one of those, like, we kind of talked about it with, like, uh, Texas Chainsaw 2 or even Evil Dead 2 earlier, but, like, they take this original movie that on paper really shouldn't have worked as well as it did in terms of, like, financially, like, Gremlins being as big a success as it was is baffling, really, in retrospect, but, you know, Joe Dante managed to make it work, and for years, once again, everyone was like, oh, we need to do a Gremlins 2, and now we can't get it together, it can't work, all right, Joe, it's been six years, can you do it? And he's like, fine, but I get to do whatever I want, and... Gremlins 2 is the most vulgar auteur movie <laughs> on this list because he just goes fucking crazy with like, we're going to have the spirit of like the bar scene from Gremlins and just have it go berserk throughout the whole movie and just make a live action Looney Tunes cartoon. It has some phenomenal puppetry, some of the best like designs of puppets I've ever seen in a movie. It just does not give a single shit about like, it, it's a sequel in terms of just like, oh, we have to have a follow up. Fine. We're going to do the most balls out crazy thing possible which I love and respect. And I think few movies aside from like the recent Matrix Resurrections have managed to kind of take that energy and just burst it forth on the screen so wonderfully. And it's not a huge disrespect to Back to the Future 2. Hot take, that's my least favorite of the three movies, which is to say I really like it a lot. I think there's a lot of fun in terms of like the visual stuff with like the effects work that goes on in the future stuff and then the idea of Marty going back to the actual like night of the first movie and being like in the background. I think it's a fun, cute idea. Uh, hot take, I think Back to the Future 3 is a more fun, complete story and I think it has actually more for Doc to do than like the than two does in general so i think that's why i slightly prefer three which i know is a very unpopular take but still i think for me it is easily a gremlins two even though i know it's it's the wild weird one <laughs> that i'm not sure we'll continue forth but we'll see as adam is next in the rotation adam where are you going with these two uh, I absolutely agree with everything you just said. Uh, I'm going Gremlins 2 over Back to the Future 2. I do like Back to the Future 2 quite a bit. Uh, I do think 3 is the better sequel, and I absolutely agree with them. And it's just more fun, and it's just it's the kind of what you would want to see, like going to the past but going further into the past. Uh, I, I, I think it's a great movie, but yeah, Gremlins 2 is it's a fucking Looney Tunes movie. It, it's insane. It's pure insanity. I mean, there's a lightning gremlin, the female gremlin, the 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 bat, the gargoyle bat gremlin who crashed through the wall, and it's the Batman symbol. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous that that movie exists, and in the way it does. But I love every second of it. I love its cha- the chaotic nature of the whole thing. Um, I, I I think it's just so ridiculously fun and wacky and zany that. it it has such a special place in my heart and I'll watch it anytime it's on. I think I've seen Gremlins 2 more than the first one, which I do, of course, love the first one, but they're completely different movies. Uh, And it's just, the second one is so much more approachable because of its insanity. I I, I just absolutely love Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2, foe the win. Well, we'll see. If it gets the win... Nope, it wins. Well, Keep going. Oh, next bracket. Well, I guess, <laughs> outruled. Anyway, next one. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, Jessica, please, your pick between these two. Um, I'm, I haven't been spending much time on building suspense, so you're absolutely right. Gremlins 2 wins it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can't argue with anything you've said. You know, Back to the Future 3, I, 
I have a lot more fun with that one than Back to the Future 2. But I am such a Joe Dante fangirl and such a fan of of live action cartoons like that, of Gremlins just going bigger and weirder and crazier. I have to give the edge to Gremlins 2 here. All right. Well, Gremlins 2 is moving forward. We, we get more of that new batch. But, Jonathan, where would you have gone with this matchup? I would have gone with Gremlins 2. I think it is a far crazier romp. Like you said, all the different gremlin versions, the intelligent gremlin, just going off, just try creating all the mon- uh, the more monstrous uh, brethren and just having a conversation like, yeah, we don't have civility. We're, we're freaking monsters. I do think that Back to the Future 2 really does have a lot going for it. It survived through memes everyone was constantly sending out dates of the time when marty goes to the future but it's just that it's those are the small things that people kind of remember about the movie it does have some weird time travel nonsense that even contradicts itself which obviously time travel is not real but it's always just follow whatever rules you follow and don't break them and i feel like with the idea of of having old Biff giving the almanac and somehow returning the DeLorean to his old timeline. It just didn't work with me. They never, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a stickler like those people who talk about other time travel movies because the, they go, sometimes you shouldn't go so deep into the logic, but in this case, it was very simple and straightforward that it rubbed me the wrong way while messing around with the, with the original movie in ways that seem okay but it did not feel as as a breakthrough as what i think zemeckis wanted but the future looked kind of cool as 19 eh. but gremlins was the clear winner for me well someone's not thinking fourth dimensionally clearly but barcelo unfortunately gremlins 2 is moving on i know that back to the future 2 was one of your choices would you have still gone with it in this matchup yeah so um i okay i love back to the future part two I do. Um, and it was on my list because I think it's sort of like Scream 2. Like, to me, it, it it plays with the concept of a sequel. And what do we do in a sequel? And first Back to the Future, wasn't, it, there was no plan for a sequel after right after they made the first one. Then they came back to it. It's like, okay, let's, I guess let's expand on this, you know, throwaway joke at the end of Back to the Future Part 1 where they go to the future. Let's do that. And they pull it off in my opinion. And the fact that in the third act, they go back to the first movie, I think is super smart. And yeah, logic aside, um, I, I think a lot of those cool concepts still hold up and I do love it as a sequel. Um, having said all of that, I do like part three more. <laughs> and maybe I should have picked part three to put on this <laughs> list. <laughs> I realized my, my mistake here. Because I, 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 yeah, kind of what what Thomas said before. I think part three is is a more, I think it's a better story. I love that it focuses on Doc, but 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 again, I'm still with part two because it is such a great sequel. But um, Gremlins two, I would have picked Gremlins two because I love Gremlins two. I love that movie. It's batshit. I've loved it from like the first time I saw it. I, it was like in, in, in an all Spanish dub when I was like visiting family in Ecuador, like 20 years ago. And since then, I just, I just, I'm like, I just, basically anybody I know, it's like, hey, have you seen Gremlins 2? You should watch this movie. It's insane. Uh, so I, you know, as, as much as I love Back to Future Part 2, yeah, I would have gone Gremlins 2. 
Gremlins 2 would have been the first shutout. Yep, the first blowout. Because uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it seems like Back to the Future Part 2 cannot go over water. It does not have power. It cannot this move forward. <laughs> We've, we're losing all credibility. Thank God we're We lost wall. that so long ago. <laughs> yeah, that's all, yeah. Long. Episode two. Gremlins <laughs> two all the way. Let's get it there. Yes, the new batch will continue forth. But now we have um, a battle of the threes, I guess, after that battle of the twos, uh, where we have uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance versus Exorcist 3. Two very interesting ones. Here, face off against each other. Adam, you're starting this round, so please... It's interesting, you know, because if you look at it like this, I'd say, well, obviously we know Exorcist 2 was a complete flop. I mean, we we know it's one of the most maligned sort of sequels, period, not even just in the horror genre. Um, and then Thomas and I did rewatch all the Die Hard movies and Die Hard 2, I still like it. it, it it's not very good if it, compared to especially the first one. Um, so both of these movies are, are sort of you know, the third one that sort of saved a franchise, I would say, in a weird way. Um, but also killed the franchise because Exorcist was pretty much done after the third one. And I'd argue after Die Hard 3, uh, that was the last good one. And so it, it's a very, very strange. Uh, I, I I mean, Exorcist 3 has got, you know, the Brad Dorf performance, George Scott, the, of course, the hedge clipper scene. I mean, there's, there's just amazing, iconic moments to that. But Die Hard 3, it just does such a... It's the old, one of the few times I can think of where the so cliche sort of idea where the villain is the brother to the villain from the first one. And, oh, get it, they're back. And it works. Like, it really works. I mean, it's probably on the strength of Jeremy Irons' performance, but it, it, it really works. You absolutely believe that Simon and Hans were brothers. Um, the score is great. The scope of the movie is great. Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis are really fun together on screen. Um, all the supporting cast really works. It's super exciting. The action beats are just wonderful. Uh, so I gotta go Die Hard with a Vengeance. As much as it pains me to do so, because I do love Exorcist 3, but I gotta go Die Hard with a Vengeance. Well... We move forward to Jessica. Where do you stand on this? Uh, this was a really easy one for me. Um, I think that Exorcist 3 is uneven. I think it kind of falls apart in places. It's not a perfect movie by any means. But it is, in my opinion, scarier than the original. Hot take. It's, as a jump scared defender and aficionado i have to give it to exorcist 3 just for having possibly the greatest jump scare in cinema history and i'd like to point out that's not the only scary part in the movie it gets a lot of attention justifiably so but there are some terrifying moments in that movie that don't have anything to do with jump scares don't have anything to do with that hallway scene but even if that even if that movie were just that hallway scene i would give it the edge over Die Hard with a Vengeance just because I love it so much. So I have to say Exorcist 3. All right. Exorcist 3 gets a point there. Jonathan, where do you stand? I did bring uh, Exorcist 3 for the bracket, and it really is just as uh, Adam say, like it's better than uh, The Heretic because, yeah, we don't. there's no Pazuzu. It focuses just on the aftermath of the original 
uh, exorcism, but dealing with a far different story, which I feel is just as valid. It does feel more like a TV movie, especially compared to Die Hard with a Vengeance. But I think it is definitely uh, it's elevated because of the performances definitely like i forgot how much the movie was just brad dorf just be it just howling as a monster like it's just perfect like i have to say like that is one of the scariest performances in horror that people rarely talk about with the gemini uh killer uh with die hard i feel like even though this is like the last time we have john mcclain the man the human, the person who bleeds and tires. I, I see the, the, the beginning of the stuff that goes into the lazy, arrogant, ugly American stereotype that we get for the following sequels uh, in Die Hard. I see how he, he is like the worst example of NYPD just driving through, even though it's all for the sake of trying to beat the bad guy. But I think Samuel Jackson is a great counter to that. Like, I feel like him just calling out on Bruce Willis shit the entire movie is just phenomenal. I feel like it's more because Samuel Jackson's in it as long, as well as Jeremy Irons for their performances that really put Die Hard 3 closely uh, to be considered for this because i really do want to see how far exodus 3 goes through through this uh, uh bracket but i feel like there's just something like like i said it does it's it does feel uneven there are literally a lot of fate to blacks and there's just some bizarre scenes but that are seem more for a dreamlike effect than actual horror but yeah, I I still think that is still valid. I want to give it to Exorcist Three just because it's the dark horse that I feel like that needs to be discussed further. Okay, so Exorcist Three might clinch it, depending on what Marcelo has to say here. Oh boy! So Exorcist Three, I saw for the first time actually last year. Um, I've been hearing, you know so many great things about it over the years from great people finally decided to sit down watch it was blown away i i love exorcist 3 um it's one of those movies that i know with rewatches i love more and more but i'm not there yet um die hard with a vengeance though i've seen so many times i love the original die hard to death and with a vengeance uh, while not while being not as great as the original Die Hard, comes closest to capturing that like true rawness of that movie. And John McTiernan, oh, bless his heart, incredible. Um, I, I I hope not. You know, now that he's out of prison, that he makes mo- more movies like this. But you know, uh, um, we'll see. Um, my vote goes with uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance because it just—it's just an amazing action movie. It's an amazing sequel. Yes, the last truly great Die Hard movie, um, but it's—it's it's also one I've seen so many times and can just talk on and on about. So that's going to be my pick with a Vengeance. Yeah, so it's down to me, and this—they're—they're they're both like Adam kind of mentioned earlier, like very interesting, weird sequels for just like I—I I think 
with like Die Hard, it was a weird case of like, oh, they have to like with any of these Die Hard sequels, they take like an old script that's a spec script and just turn it into like, oh, a John McClane story. That's like happened like most of these sequels that have come out, except for ironically the last one, which was the worst one, <laughs> was intentionally written as a fucking Die Hard sequel. Um, but still, three I think is the one that manages to do that while eloquently making it still feel more like a John McClane story. And I agree, having that dynamic with like Samuel Jackson, I think is like such a stellar changeup for that franchise. And it, it shows like the two of them just going off each other, especially like this is Samuel Jackson coming off of the Pulp Fiction fame and this was the first time I was like well, put this dude in anything have him say motherfucker it'll be great and to be fair it is in this movie it's really stellar and Exorcist 3 is so bizarre because it's following up to which as we mentioned was like such a weird terrible direct sequel that had actually people returning versus Exorcist 3 is a sequel that has mostly a new cast except for Jason Miller um, who pops up occasionally because of reshoots and follows weirdly like the cop character who obviously couldn't be played by Lee J. Cobb anymore because he had passed. Uh, but I'm going to give it to Exorcist 3, if nothing else, because like that movie manages to do so much with so little, considering like so much of it, it feels like it could be either like mentioned earlier, a TV movie or like a play, but it still is so unsettling and unnerving with how little it shows you. Like the, the only real issue I have with the movie is like near the end when they have to have the studio mandated, like, Oh, here's all like the exorcist stuff that fucking happens. Cause we get a random fucking priest that shows up at the end. Like that's the only time it does that. And it feels more like it's kind of earned that after so long, but yeah, like for so much of the stuff like Brad Dorif or George C. Scott, George C. Scott is digging through paperwork and makes that exciting with that. It was not in the file. It was not. Like that's one of my favorite George C. Scott readings of a line in anything. So I'm going to take it to Exorcist 3. It will proceed forward. Dire with a vengeance, unfortunately, will not return with a vengeance for the next round. But now, folks, we're at the end of round one. And it's, and this is unfortunately kind of feels like the scraps kind of facing off. There's no thematic tension with this particular matchup. It is Adam's Family Values versus Tron Legacy. And we're starting off with Jessica. All right. So, picture it. Sicily, 1993. (laughs) I'm allowed to pick a movie for my family to go see. I've never been able to pick a movie before. And I choose Adam's Family Values. And I've never been able to pick a movie since. They have forbidden me from a la- from choosing movies to go see because everyone in my family hated it so very much. But I loved it. I love that movie dearly. I'm obsessed with Debbie Jelinski. I think it's such a wild and brilliant follow-up to the original. So in solidarity with my younger self who picked a masterpiece to watch and her family did not appreciate it. I have to say Adam's family values. It was history and reckoning. I love yes. It started off like a Godfather movie, just like Sicily, 1993. <laughs> <laughs> the true family conflict of that. Uh, but Jonathan, where are you going with this one? Uh, I did nominate Adam's family values. This, I don't have a bombastic story like Jessica, but it is a, childhood cornerstone memory of seeing it in the theaters because Christina Ricci was that 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 young actress that really pulled me in in various other let's say more family oriented quote-unquote films of that era so pulling me in for Adam's Family Values was just phenomenal I did like the uh, the uh, previous incarnations of the Adam's Family but compared to the live-action 
the original live action film, it expanded even on stuff like Fester's entire arc. Before it was just about, well, we, what's up with this Fester? He seems off, but it really was him. Now it's dealing with, does Uncle Fester find love? But not in a cheesy way, because yeah, Debbie is such a conniving villainous and I feel like she's the perfect villain because she has the motif of that waspy feel that the Adams family counterculture works so well because they are so macabre that it feels like something that Tim Burton would have dreamed of making, but Barry Seinfeld just did it perfectly. And then adding on with the kids going into summer camp and dealing with uh, working with uh, marginalized groups to just fight back against wealthy white people it's just so surprisingly progressive especially for the early 90s it it, it was almost a, okay it is a complete blowout i'm sorry it's just that the only thing tron legacy has is the soundtrack and the light cycle uh scene i mean everything else just falls apart like page uh, uh patreon patrons can listen to the uh commentary you guys did just listen to that commentary and you guys go through all the points on how this movie is kind of slow at parts. It's also the characters are just weird. It, it doesn't really fit that well with just with the original Tron, even though that Tron, the original Tron was always cheesy, especially with the effects, but it had a kind of charm to it while Tron legacy feels too sleek. So I honestly feel like I have to go with Adam's family values. Yes, Jonathan, thank you for your vote, and also, uh, you recommending everyone dig into the backlog of our content on Patreon, but, Marcelo, where are you going? I, I see where things are heading, uh, <laughs> so I have to be the guy who says, Tron Legacy gets my vote, um, I, I, oh, <laughs> oh, I love you so much. <laughs> I uh, it's one I like if you were to ask me which one I want to I want to revisit I'd go Tron Legacy even though I know it's not like the best movie (laughs) it's there's still so much of it that keeps my attention like I think back to like like who is it Uh, it's Michael Sheen right like just being this like wild you know white haired wacko like and, and and yeah the soundtrack is the best thing about the movie but I think the visuals work. Uh, I love the fact that David Fincher apparently helped with the production. It does feel very Fincher-esque in the beginning, especially. Um, I dig uh, uh, Jeff Bridges in this. Uh, <laughs> I think it like it it, it, it encapsulates his like now like uh, uh, you know post uh, uh, Big Lebowski like uh, dude-esque um, persona so well <laughs> um yeah there's just so much to love about Tron legacy and i don't have that same admiration for enemies family values maybe it's because it's been just so long since i've seen it but i have no desire to go back to it i don't know right now my heart's telling tron legacy because it's one yeah let's put it on let's pump it up let's let's, let's turn up the music ah oh, it, it it does invigorate me even though yes again i, I admit not perfect but still rewatchable I, I, I dig it. So that, 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 that's my vote. Tron Legacy. 
Well, it's interesting because I kind of had that worry about Adam's Family values, at least when I was going to go back to it, because I rewatched both, like, because it's been so long, I rewatched both the original movie uh, from 1991 and then its sequel, and I was a bit worried after rewatching The Adam's Family, because I like a lot of aspects, obviously introduces, like, that whole cast is so stellar, and there's really fun bits in that original movie, but that movie's so bogged down by the weird, like, Dan Hedaya like, real estate plot or whatever the fuck it is to, like, about the Adams Family home. And it feels like it's, like, the most typical kind of bad family movie early 90s plot of just, like, real estate law, because that's what kids want. Um, so I was worried about, like, oh, is this one? This one doesn't hold up quite as well. Is Adam Family Values going to hold up nearly as well? Um, and that only increased my enjoyment of Adam's Family Values, because it's not burdened by that bullshit or the weird festering amnesia plot. It just gets to go very bizarre horror comedy crazy with all the conceits that it's doing. Like it really, It's just like the movie where they get to go full bore with it. I like Honestly, the only kind of detriment is the fact that Raul Julia was very sick at that time, and he doesn't get to do a lot as Gomez, but he still has very fun moments throughout that movie. It feels like his final, actual, like really fun, spirited performance, because... Street Fighter quite isn't that. God bless him, he's trying, but no, it quite isn't. Um, but F- Values just has like all the stuff at the summer camp is stellar, but then Joan Cusack is so fun as a villain, to the degree that like when she does her evil monologue at the end, it's like kind of what I love about the Addams Family in a microcosm, where she's going through her whole backstory, and as the Addamses are about to get electrocuted, they're like, oh, you poor girl, I can't believe this happened to you. <laughs> they're genuinely sympathetic to the villain <laughs> that whole time. It is so stellar. And I'll be very blunt, Tron Legacy is the worst movie on this bracket, easily. (laughs) Which is to say, it has to deal with a lot of competition of great, stellar, some of the best movies of all time. But it's it's the only one where, like like Jonathan mentioned, we did a whole commentary about it. And I'm not very huge on it beyond, like, some of the visual stuff. I think everything from, like, the arcade sequence to when they um, eventually do, like, go through the whole light cycle thing. I think that's the perfect part of the movie. And then, like, everything before and after that is, like, kind of a wasteland to me, aside from, like, even a Michael Sheen, who I think is fun. But overall, yeah, I think it's easily Adam's Family Values, which will continue forward. But, Adam, I know that Tron Legacy Uh, was your uh, pick, so... uh, Yeah, well, don't shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, you know, I'm going to tell you why I, I, I told you I love you, Marcelo. Uh, because oh. you're going to be the only one that picked Tron Legacy. <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, I love it, dude. I love it. I love it very, very much. Uh, but ever since I bought the soundtrack on vinyl, I have no need to watch the movie again. Um, i got to be honest. I, I, I still, but if it's on, I will watch it. it it's one of those. I, I do have a soft spot for it. But fuck, man, Adam's Family Values. Like I, I remember seeing it at the show as well and just just laughing so hard at so much of it, especially Joan Cusack. Um, she fucking kills me in that movie. You know, I am a ballerina. I'm graceful. <laughs> and what did they get me? Malibu Barbie. <laughs> they had to go. You're like, what the fuck, dude? You know, and, and yeah, like when they're in the electric chair, show of hands, and you hear, because your hands are taped out. It's just so many good jokes over and over and over. It's so fucking funny. Um, I, I just, I, I, yeah, I like the first one quite a bit, but the sequel just takes it to another level. I understand the values is bar none the best Adam's Family movie we've had yet. Um, I am very excited about the Wednesday show that's coming out on Netflix. I'm very curious about it. Uh, the animated ones are terrible. Uh, so, but again, 
with a heavy heart, I have to go Adam's Family Values. Yes, Tron Legacy stays behind the grid, and Adam's Family Values moves on as we finally end round one. (laughs) 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 It's going to be a long one, folks. All right, everybody, it's the start of round two, and uh, we're into the Sweet 16, so let's go ahead and start off with Pangton 2 versus Spider-Man 2. Jonathan, you start off. Who's winning this? It's going to be tough now. Everything's going to be tough because they're all winners. I guess I have to look at it from the perspective of um, the growth of the main character between the movies. We had, like we said before, Peter was struggling uh, to balance out stuff. And uh, we had Dr. Octavius and you have Paddington and uh, just trying to live as a, as, as a bear and uh, dealing with uh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant actually works far better in a Paddington movie than um, Nicole Kidman did in the original. So fast picking, I go with Paddington 2. All right, Paddington 2 uh, gets a point there, Marcelo. Let's cut to the chase. I'm going with Spider-Man 2 here. Um, fun fact, I was playing in the background and and watched the whole movie on mute as we were doing this. So that's about a two-hour movie. So that gives you some sense of like how far along we are. <laughs> I just started Wrath of Khan on mute in the background. Um, oh, my God. The, the, the cinematography by Bill Pope, incredible. Um, the screenplay I mentioned before, it's my favorite superhero slash comic book you know, story. Um, uh, and yeah, Sam Raimi, uh, like I said before, going just insane with like, just is, is a creative freedom and money uh, here in part two. And yeah, I have to go Spider-Man too. It's, and I, again, Panting 2, it, it got me emotionally. I do love that movie, but yeah, Spider-Man 2 is my pick. Yeah. Um, I like, obviously, you know, these are two great movies. It is pretty tough. Um, if I'm going to have to go with one in particular, I mean, I, I'm going to have to go with, I think, a Spider-Man 2, if nothing else, because I think that movie just manages to do so much with, like, really developing and even improving on the original movie, which I think the first Spider-Man is so fun. I have a lot of nostalgic memory of it, but it is a very 2002 movie, and it, down to the Nickelback and everything else, it's, it's very much of its time in a way that some of those superhero movies from that era can be, as opposed to Spider-Man 2, I think, is one of the few from, like, that era that really still stands the test of time and, like, works so perfectly. Jet songs on the soundtrack regardless. Um, I just, I, I gotta go with some Spider-Man 2 on that. Adam. You know, I've had House of Gucci playing in the background the whole time I'm here, and I am bored <laughs> It's to still tears. going. <laughs> I'm still going, and I'm almost asleep. Um, <laughs> you know, just to be brief, I, I love Panthen 2 very much, but I also got to go Spider-Man 2 as well. Um, it was, when I saw it, the most important movie I've ever seen when I saw it. Is it now? No, but at the time, it definitely was. Uh, so Spider-Man 2. All right, then. And uh, Spider-Man 2 is going forward, but Jessica, given you said you hadn't seen Paddington 2 before, <laughs> I'm curious where you will go if you had, if your vote mattered, quote-unquote. What would you have gone with? I feel like I should vote for the underdog and give Paddington 2 another vote. I mean, Spider-Man 2 is going on anyway, so why not give the cute little bear a vote? That's where I land, Paddington 2. Oh, giving him the marmalade. 
<laughs> that's what Paddington would do. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. That is what Paddington would do. We are all Hugh Grants on this episode. <laughs> yes. Oh, for sure, for sure. But now our next matchup: two threes once again facing off against each other. Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street three versus The Born Ultimatum. Marcelo, you are starting off with this. Um, like I said, uh, I think two hours ago now, I'm not a big Freddy guy, so I'm going with Born Ultimatum. I think it's the the best part three uh, uh, in this matchup. Um, I it, this whole conversation like makes me want to rewatch the 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 board movies. I should have done it, you know, before recording this. But now I'm you know I was against Ultimatum when it faced off against Skyfall, but now I'm fully on board. Born Ultimatum, uh, solid entry in that franchise. Solid part three. Uh, great uh, conclusion to that story. The the, the that they did not need to continue on, but still, uh, I do love that part three. I think it works better than Dream Warriors, so that's my pick. Born Ultimatum. All right, Born Ultimatum gets one. Um, I'm next here, and I I think this is uh, sorry to the people out there with your champion of Dream Warriors. I think is a lot of fun, but Born Ultimatum I think is really the one like it caps off so much of that story so beautifully and has one of my favorite moments in general in which Bourne and David Strathairn are having a conversation about this going the back it's like oh how do you know any of this information I'm in your office right now <laughs> it's like <laughs> one, like the peak moment of that franchise for me that's just like fuck yeah so good so good despite you know docking and everything regardless of Dream Warriors I'm going Bourne Ultimatum on this myself Adam well I mean Jesus Christ that's Jason Bourne um, it's it's born ultimatum i mean i love you know being a horror fan at heart and that's kind of how i got started into podcasting and, and i still collect horror memorabilia and i love freddy krueger and all that stuff and i love dream warriors but born ultimatum is just such a fucking slapper of a movie where you know if both are i literally like this if both are on television at the same time and i can only choose between one of them i'm watching born ultimatum all right ultimatum is the ultimatum moving forward but jessica who would you have gone with I'm in the minority again. I would have gone with Dream Warriors because I, I, Friday the or Friday the Thirteenth. Friday the Thirteenth is my favorite franchise of the iconic horror um, slashers. So I'm not as much a Freddy girl as a Jason girl, but Dream Warriors is just a classic horror sequel. I cannot vote against it. So I would have gone with Dream Warriors. Okay, and Jonathan, who would you have gone with? I would have gone with Born Ultimatum. I honestly think it would have been a harder choice if it was Wes Craven's New Nightmare, but Elm Street 3 does deserve recognition, but it, 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 it's a part three versus a part three that is a solid third act to a solid trilogy. It, it was hard to beat. Well, looks like much like docking in that music video, Freddy is too scared of Jason Bourne. To continue forward, Born Ultimatum moves on. You, that was a reach. <laughs> you come up with one. You do. I'm hosting this. No, my thing. You're doing so well. I don't. You, wanna, you be know. my Bruce Valanche. You write me my material, motherfucker. <laughs> Adam, we're an hour three. No, no judging. <laughs> oh, well, now we have. Uh, we have to judge this particular round, though. Of Mad Max Fury Road versus Blade Runner 2049. The matchup that will hurt Adam. I'm going first, oh, though. Take the rotation, and I mean, I think these are both great. I think they're great examples of how to like kind of once again move on from an earlier '80s sort of uh, franchise and just, like 
it's it's so tough. But I mean, it's it's got to be Mad Max if nothing else. For like both of these movies have like kind of perfect endings for me, in in terms of like how it leads our main character, um, kind of moving past uh, sort of their status as a main character to pass the torch in a certain way to other people who are more of the main characters. But Ryan Gosling doesn't nod at Charlize Theron, who nods back. That's one of my favorite fucking ending shots in any movie. It's so good. I gotta go with Mad Max, for sure, on that. Adam, you have your Sophie's choice. Yeah, no, this sucks. This this sucks. Big old donkey dog. Um, I love Blade Runner 2049 so much. But Mad Max is perfect. I gotta go Fury Road. Oh, Fury Road. Oh, Madam is crying tears in rain. But now, Jessica, please. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> I'm loving this. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was good. Oh, okay, yeah. Mad Max Fury Road is my number one overall seed, so I have to say Fury Road. All right. Mad Max is definitely moving on. It's a question of will it be a blowout? Jonathan. Uh, th- this is a Sophie's Choice. I honestly think Fury Road has the better accessibility. I could definitely see someone who was not interested in uh, Blade Runner being bored with 2049, even though I think it's a vast improvement. But you could make you could mute uh, Fury Road and you would be blown by the visuals. It doesn't even need to have real dialogue. It's all emotive. I hate this so much, but I had to go with Fury Road. <laughs> well, is it going to be a blowout, Marcelo? Ah, okay. So, I'm I'm not going to be that that guy. I, well, at least I'm trying not to be. Okay, I'm really thinking about this. Um, and right now, since yes, we're on hour three, I think I'm being a little bit more emotional more go more going by the heart and my heart's telling me 2049 or a fury road only because i think for me as much as i love fury road technically on a technical level it's perfect i don't for me the story doesn't top like 2049 in terms of like emotion in terms of like how like what it what what it says, right? I think both movies really do a lot with their story, but I think twenty forty nine edges it edges it out just slightly for me, and it's more existential. It's more about what is life and 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 uh, how you know what we do with that life. Free Road does touch on that, but I think twenty forty nine does it a tiny bit better. So I'm giving the edge to twenty forty nine, but it's a tough one. But I'll be the one to center here with 2049 well regardless we have mad max moving on unfortunately 2049 is stuck in the past future that has pan am still existing for some reason but we <laughs> now have our next matchup that's very interesting but I, yes. I do have a i do have a quick question because we we said sophie's choice several times would the sequel to sophie's choice be her multiple choice eh, but being being that's terrible. Keep going. So we're moving on to Before Sunset <laughs> versus Empire Strikes Back. Another fascinating matchup. And we're starting with Adam on this. I think I know where you're going. 
I mean, which one has Ethan Hawke in it? <laughs> no. I mean, honestly, again, to be fair, I can't vote other than to say Empire because I haven't seen the other one, and I, I don't want to be unfair. Uh, so, Empire. Okay. Jessica? I have to vote Empire, too. I I just have such a soft spot for that movie, and, I mean, it, I, there's a reason that it's often pointed to as, you know, the sequel that surpasses the original. It's one of the great sequels. So, Empire Strikes Back. All right, Jonathan. Yeah, The Empire Strikes Back. It's, it is the Star Wars sequel that people talk about. It's the one everyone compares everything. It's, it's the juggernaut. Let's see how far it will go. Well, Empire is, of course, moving on. And Marcelo, please speak before you console your friend Richard Linklater down in Austin. About this particular. I mean, I can just go over to the yeah, Austin Film Society Theater and give them the bad news. Like, listen, <laughs> listen, Dick. Uh, they 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 didn't pick the better movie out of this uh, out of these two. I would have. He's such a big sunset. fan. He's such a big patron. He'll be so crushed. <laughs> I know he listens. This is every episode, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would have gone before Sunset. Like I said before, I think it just works so well as a sequel. And and it continues like Linkler's thesis on time and life. So yeah, it, for me, it's much more heartfelt. It works much better as a continuation of a story than Empire, in my opinion. Again, Empire deserves all the credit it gets, but my heart tells me before sunset. But that's what I would avoid for. That's what the heart wants. But the yeah. heart will not get that, unfortunately. No, no. Um, and then, I mean, for myself, I think these are both two, like, masterpieces. I love so much about both these movies, despite how very different they are. Um, the clincher for me picking Empire, though, would have probably been um, all of Star Wars is summarized beautifully to me in the moment where Yoda lifts up the X-Wing. Like, the score, production design, puppetry, like I said before. Everything in that moment is just kind of like, no, that's everything that Star Wars is to me it just beautifully summarizes what that series can be when it's at its best so i will go with empire on that unfortunately we must leave before sunset in the sunset as it were is so we now move forward to mission impossible fallout versus evil dead 2 jessica well i as big a horror fan as i am i'm just i'm gonna vote for as many horror movies as i can so i have to give it to evil dead 2 even if i weren't just completely biased which i fully admit to evil dead 2 is just such a brilliant iconic sequel it paves the way for the rest of that franchise it just crystallizes everything that's so great about bruce campbell and about that franchise and about horror comedy so evil dead 2 all right, Jonathan. Okay, so Mission Impossible Fallout has Henry Cavill with a mustache. Evil Dead 2 has Ted Raimi covered in prosthetics acting as a possessed old woman. I have to go with Evil Dead 2. All right. That's it. They're, they're, okay, we're moving forward. Marcelo. <laughs> All right. Please listen to me, guys. <laughs> Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay, that's my vote. I understand it might just go to Evil Dead 2. I get it. I get it. I love Evil Dead 2. But Mission Impossible Fallout, to me, it's it's why I love it is because the action scenes are so well integrated into the emotional arc of Ethan Hunt. 
more so than any other film in that franchise. And that ending is like more personal than it, than it, than any action movie should be. And it works. And it's one of Tom Cruise's best performances. And it's Christopher, Christopher Corey and, and Cruise just like at their best working together Uh you know, I don't know how they can top it. I said the same thing after Rogue Nation. It's like, how can they make it a better, better movie after this? And they did it with Fallout. They might do it with like Mission Impossible Seven and Eight. So yeah, my vote is for Fallout. I know I might lose, but that's to me. It's like it's it's not only heart. I think technically, it's just an amazing action movie and action sequel. So I love Sam Raimi, but I got to go with Fallout on this one. Yeah, I mean, and this is a tougher matchup than I think some others might have intimated was, but I, I think, like, especially with, like, Fallout also feels like it's the best genuine, like, sequel in terms of not just with Ethan Hunt, I agree, like, his arc, but also all the side characters get so much fun stuff to do, like Simon Pegg and Rebecca Ferguson coming back and actually being more integrated into the team than she was in her introduction in Rogue Nation. Uh, even Ving Rhames... With his hats, like, it's smaller and smaller with every movie. He's, he's, like, so pivotal by the climax of that movie. It's, it's, it is, like I said, my favorite of those movies. But it's fucking Evil Dead 2. It's one of the most bizarre, crazy movies that, once again, does it on a much smaller budget than Mission Impossible Fallout has, just has so much of that craziness. And also, much in the way that Mission Impossible Fallout builds out with the action sequences, Evil Dead 2 builds up with just, like, the insanity and the surrealism with each set piece. It is a similar movie in a weird way, and it's so bizarre and stellar. I'm, I'm going Evil Dead 2 on that for sure. It is progressing, but Adam, for posterity, what will you have gone with? Well, I'm looking at this from now on, like if both were playing on television, which one am I going to watch? Um, I think that's the safest way to go, and in that aspect, I'm watching Fallout over Evil Dead 2. Yes. Uh, to really get into it, I've seen Evil Dead 2 thousands of I mean not thousands that's insane but you know tens of times probably 20 30 times I've seen it with that too um I love it I think it's fucking great uh but I I'm gonna watch Fallout if it's on so I will also go with Fallout even though it will not progress Marcel and I will die on that hill alone yes yes you will leap off that hill and break your foot on the other hill that you've jumped on <laughs> that is what will happen worth it worth it <laughs> worth it <laughs> Definitely. But now, next matchup, another interesting one. The one that would make uh, film Twitter explode. Uh, Godfather Part 2 versus Captain America the Winter Soldier. Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta say something ever. Okay. Uh, I feel as if it's I could just be that MC fanboy just to stick it to Coppola after his comments trying to crib Scorsese, but it's the Godfather part two. There's anything that I can bring up on Captain America and the Winter Soldier. There's another aspect that just fits perfectly. The, even though they are, even if the, the entire 70s spy thriller was like the motive that you could just bring up with the Winter Soldier, you're dealing with a 70s crime epic. Like, even I can't even try and make a, a sound argument uh, for a Winter Soldier against The Godfather Part 2. You guys may think of other things, but I have to go again with that basic film Twitter choice, The Godfather Part 2. Marcelo. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, 
just to make it interesting, I'm I, I'm gonna speak highly of Winter Soldier here and say, um, if anything, like after people watched that, you know, I, I hope people watched more Alan uh, Pakula films, right? Because it, it, it does service to those like seventies like conspiracy thrillers. Um, the, the action in it is really well shot. I do like what, what the Russos do. Um, uh, it does work. I mean, I love Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson in it. That chemistry works. I kind of wish, you know, they had something going on, you know, uh, uh, beyond that in the later movies, but that never happened. But I love those two on screen. Having said all that, it's Godfather 2. Because it's Godfather 2. I mean, it, 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 not, not just because it's like the basic choice, but yeah, it is just so it's it's a grand epic uh in that like you know the godfather one was like you know just a straight story from you know from a to b but godfather 2 just expands on that and just says like let's let's show you a d then go back to c that it's narratively genius and that i guess for that reason and many other reasons i'd say yeah godfather 2 Yes, um, I mean, it's like Adam said, this is kind of a ludicrous matchup in a lot of ways, even though, like, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm the MCU, like, hater, necessarily. I think this movie is very fun, uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier. It has a lot of, like, stellar bits and pieces, but, I mean, not to actually explain more about Godfather Part Two. like, it has, like, one of the most fascinating, like, the parallel structure things work so beautifully to establish how one mobster is progressing forward in, like, that mob mentality in the past in order just to feed his family, basically, just to survive, versus the other one is completely drenched in opulence and wealth after his father had already established so much of this and is left completely alone. He's doing it for, like, these horrible, awful reasons that get his own family, like, killed in such a brutal way. The sequence between him and Diane Keaton is one of the best acted scenes in cinematic history. That is just, like, so brutal and awful, and it just speaks to how far Al Pacino's character has plummeted. Um, and Cap really likes Bucky, guys. Don't you love him? You love him so much when he does nothing in the other movies. It's great. Yeah, Godfather Part 2 is progressing forward, quite obviously. Adam, do you have anything to say on who you would have voted for? I mean, again, fuck. <laughs> I mean, again, though, I, I, every match going forward is, if they were both playing, which one I'm watching, I gotta be honest, I'm watching Winter Soldier. I love Godfather 2. It's a lot of a movie. Winter Soldier is one of those movies you can just watch, shut your brain off, and have a good time with. Uh, I, I, I mean, obviously, it's not going forward, but I'm going Winter Soldier. That's insane. That yeah, I just that, that's really that, fucking that insane that you fucking said that. fucking words just came out of my goddamn mouth. This is where your television thing fuck? completely falls apart, dude. <laughs> I don't get it. No, 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 it totally doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because, <laughs> hey, you know what? Personal opinion. You fucking ass. But still. Should well, we end the show? No, no. no. We'll, stop I, I, we'll, we'll move forward. We'll progress forward. Okay. My apologies, Adam, for criticizing your strategy. Correct. You master strategist, you. But, Thanks, man. Thanks. But just, I created Stratego. Strategery. Uh, Jessica, any comments on what you would have picked? <laughs> Um, I've, I've got a few hot takes in my pocket, but one of those hot takes is not that the Winter Soldier is better than the Godfather 2. So my vote is also for the Godfather Part 2. All right. Well, we move forward. Aliens versus Gremlins 2, the new batch. Interestingly, both movies about new batches of weird creatures. Fascinating. Marcelo. 
Yes. Um, so, okay. I love Gremlins too. This was actually tough. Um, going back to the heart versus, you know, the head thing. It's like, oh, um, Aliens is, you know, for me, technically a perfect movie. From start to finish, James Cameron, oh, he's, he, he's a master craftsman, guys. I mean, he's, <laughs> I, can't, I think we can all agree he's, he's you know, technically marvelous filmmaker, right? And he, he shows in Aliens, you know, from start to finish. I, I think that is the truth. Yet, Gremlins 2, my God. Does, 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 I mean, I, I, I'm happy it got that resurgence in the last few years because of that Key and Peele sketch. Um, and it got more eyes on it because it's just one of those wacky things that you don't, like you're, you're happy it exists. Um, oh, okay, this is tough. I, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna build the tension here because I gotta I gotta build some tension, guys. I'm going with my heart. I'm going with Gremlins 2. Fuck. Gremlins 2. Yes, that's it. All right. Gremlins 2 gets a vote. Um and you know, these are both great sequels, obviously. They're on the bracket for a reason. Um I'm also going Gremlins 2. I gotta say, I think oh. if nothing else. Because I think Aliens obviously does a great job of progressing forward with like so much of that stuff, but all of the masterful Stan Winston puppetry and special effects and suits and stuff, does he make those aliens dance and sing at all? No. <laughs> Mel Brooks had to do that a year later with Spaceballs. Gremlins 2 did with that second movie, did such a stellar job with it. I'm going Gremlins 2. That's my hot take. Adam, which one are you going to watch on TV? <laughs> Well, no, I have to change that opinion because you disagree with that. So no, I can't no, use that no, strategy. Fine. No, you can use it. No, 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 that's fine. No, 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 no. Uh, Thomas' opinion is the only one that matters. Uh, so I'll go with, uh, it, it, honestly, I mean, I love Gremlins too, but Aliens is a far more better constructed film. Uh, I, I'm going to Aliens. All right. Jessica. I am also going to have to go with Aliens. I, I think it's... As much as I love Joe Dante being weird and just going bonkers, I think Aliens is tighter. It's, I, I feel like I've said the word iconic about 300 times too many, but it's the more I- iconic movie. So, Aliens. All right. It's a dead heat. Jonathan. I think with Aliens, the biggest draw really is the human characters. It is, it is definitely Ripley and Newt. That is the the heart. Then you have the Marines and Bishop. The aliens are not the centerpiece as it was in the original series as like a prominent monster. It's just bigger, crazier, and and sillier. However, that I think is a far better pro for gremlins because you take the idea of just little monsters and giving them the powers, actually also upending the ideas of the Mogwai legend and making this into a sci-fi cartoon. I have to give Gremlins 2 the light, uh, just the slight edge. It's crazy, but yeah, Gremlins yes. 2. <laughs> All right, Gremlins 2. Moving forward, little engine that could somehow. That's fascinating. All right, so now we have another weird matchup here. Exorcist 3 versus Adam's Family Values. I am first up here. I think I'm going to go with 
I think in Exorcist 3, if nothing else, because I think it does such a bizarre job of with like missing so much, obviously, if they couldn't continue from the original movie, given just even cast members that are gone, some of this other stuff. I, I think it does such a, a great job, once again, doing so much with so little. It's really like masking you in the terror that's going on with the story, despite not showing you a lot. Um, so I think I'm going to go with that, despite all my love for Adam's family values. Um, I'm going to go with Exorcist 3 on that. Adam? I'm going to go the opposite. I'll go Adam's Family Values. Uh, I just think it's such a fun movie. I think it's a great introduction movie. If you want to get your kids into more spooky, macabre stuff, I think Exodus uh, 3 uh, would obviously not be the way to go with that. Uh, so Adam's Family Values, I think it's just a blast. It's super fun. Every time I watch it, I have a smile on my face. All right. Now, Jessica. This one's really hard for me, um, and I don't know where I'm going just yet. Um, I know we we're running long, so I'm going to be brief as I talk it out again. Exorcist three amazing performance from Brad door of some amazing scares. I do think it's pretty uneven, um, in places while Adam's family values, I don't think has that unevenness. And again, has a great villain performance, um, from Joan Cusack. I'm going to pick Adam's Family Values again, showing solidarity to my 10-year-old, 9-year-old self who was shunned from family movie choosing. (laughs) The family that has embittered entrapments together (laughs) stays together. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, exactly, yes. Uh, Jonathan. As I said, these are both my picks, so it's win-win for me. <laughs> uh but to be honest it's 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 hard to figure out which one would be the the better sequel. I think it's more of look looking at the faults on what it, its baggage is from the originals. And we mentioned it before with Exodus 3. You don't really need the final exorcism. It could have just been a confrontation with hellish monsters and you could have just with George C. Scott hanging from the wall and everything and just have him end the uh, Brad Dorf. Like you could have done it like that and you would have lost anything. There's a lot of stuff with Adam's family values that just works perfectly. There's also just the side cast. Like there's a lot of character actors that you can overlook, like Tony Shalhoub at the bar, Nathan Lane at the, at the police station. It's just a treat that keeps on going. I really had to go with Adam's family values. All right, absolutely. Alex is moving forward, but Marcelo, what would you have picked? I would have gone with Exorcist Three, uh, Exorcist Three, because, uh, like I said earlier, it's it's one of those that I feel with every re- rewatch, I appreciate it more and more, um, and I cannot say the same for Adam's Family Values. I think I just need to rewatch Adam's Family Values because, like, I I just do not have that like. Like that, um, it's been which is way too long. Don't have that nostalgic uh, hook to it. Um, like right now, I just really just would rather just see Exorcist three. I'm going by the Adam rule here. It's like, what, what's playing on TV? Oh, I'll just if Exorcist three is on, I'll watch that instead of Adam's Family Values. So yeah, Exorcist three. The strategy continues and survives. Adam's Family Values is moving forward though. Now, Spider Man two. Versus Born Ultimatum, Adam. <sighs> Christ. <laughs> uh, I mean, in the 
effort to keep time low. Quickly, I'll go Spider-Man 2 uh, for a lot of the reasons I've already stated. It's, I think, one of the most important sort of superhero films that's ever existed. Uh, It's just, it showed the world what superhero movies could be and not just movies for kids or for nerds. It could have real heart and weight and emotional heft to it. So for that, I go Spider-Man 2. All right. Jessica. I'm going to have to go with Spider-Man 2 as well, Um, just in terms of being one of the best superhero movies. And um, yeah, just in for the sake of brevity, Spider-Man 2 is my vote. All right, Jonathan. Part of me wants to just say Bourne Ultimatum just to stretch it out. But I I feel like everything that we like about uh, uh, Spider-Man 2 is the reason why we have so much of Doc Ock in uh, no Way Home. I feel like that's enough of a testament to just show how great Spider-Man 2 is while the legacy of Bourne has not been as great. Uh, oh, I... You know what? I'm going to let people have more say on this, so I'm going to go with Bourne just for the sake of discussion. Twist! Right near the end there. <laughs> Marcelo. Spider-Man 2. That's my pick. Let's just cut to the chase. Uh, it's. It, I, I, I hope it goes all the way. We'll see what happens. But I, like I've said before, my favorite story in a comic book movie. Um, uh, and as much as I love Born Ultimatum, uh, Spider-Man 2 is one I've seen so many more times. Uh, would love to see again. I did just see it just earlier. I, I can put it on again and, and, and watch it on mute again. I love Spider-Man 2, so that's my pick. All right. Um, and for the record, I probably would have gone with the Spider-Man 2, though the uh, reference that Jonathan made to No Way Home, if nothing else, uh, No Way Home made me appreciate Spider-Man 2 so much more with particularly how Alfred Molina was created, not with CG goop all over his face. Um, but, you know, all respect to Marvel Ultimatum, as it is cast aside, Spider-Man 2 wins that round, and we move on to... Woof. Mad Max Fury Road... Versus Empire Strikes Back. Pretty interesting one here. Jessica, you start us out. I, I keep saying Mad Max Fury Road is my pick to go all the way, so that is my choice. Jonathan. Well, guess I have to really think about what is what makes a sequel as I'm stalling to think of things <laughs> that we have not already said about both these films. Go ahead. We have plenty of time. Go ahead, please. <laughs> you, you can cut all this out anyway. <laughs> That's so. true. I could. <laughs> uh, you know what? Mad Max Fury Road has a perfect ending, but I feel that Empire has the perfect cliffhanger. And in the sense of ongoing movies, I think that is harder to do. So, with that razor edge, I'm going with The Empire Strikes Back. All right, Marcelo. Okay, so it seems uh, in my past discussions of Empire, like looking back at uh, what we've done, I voted against Empire all this time. So, I'm going make to make things interesting. I'm going to talk it out um, because, uh, you know, maybe it's not an easy choice between Fury Road and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, at least that's what I'm telling myself. Uh, but Empire Strikes Back, I gotta give it credit. Yes, like uh, uh, early on, like when I first saw the trilogy, um, the original trilogy, the special editions, 
in theaters like of course like i fell in with empire like like through the years i'm like yeah of course it's a perfectly made sequel um and even like uh, something like uh, hunger games catching fire i could see like all the influence of empire strikes back and just uh, any sequel that kind of does that cliffhanger ending you always think of empire strikes back um so that you know major points goes goes to empire strikes back for that alone right um so uh, you know sort of what like jonathan was saying but Fury Road is Fury Road. It's it's it, it, it's a movie. Again, I uh, I've said this so many times now. It, it it is perfect. It's 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 so well constructed, and it does work as a sequel. But yet it stands alone as its own movie, and I do love it for that. So I'm going with Fury. I'm going with Fury Road. All right. Well. Hmm. Very difficult. Two incredible films. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and go with Mad Max Fury Road. I'm sorry. I think it does such a great job of being not just a sequel, but also a standalone movie at the same time that's so stellar. Um, Empire Strikes Back obviously is so integral to being a second movie in the middle of a trilogy that makes it a great sequel for sure. But I think Mad Max manages to straddle that line so wonderfully. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have to go with Maddox Free Road, which means it will progress forward. But Adam, what would you have gone with in this particular matchup? I am currently watching uh, on mute the Black and Chrome edition, which I have not watched before. And it is completely uh, kind of uh, blowing me away. Like, how did they know that this movie in black and white would look like an old school sort of, you know, Murnau movie with the makeup and everything? It's kind of incredible. Um, I'm, I mean, you know, it's hard to go against empire because empire is, you know, it's empire. It it is considered the greatest sequel of all time by a lot of people. Um, and, and for good reason, there's a lot of reasons why it's considered that. Uh, but yeah, I'm going fury road all day. All right. We will witness as Mad Max moves forward, but now evil did two versus Godfather two, Jonathan. I think the biggest problem uh, with Evil Dead 2 is always the complaints about the re the reuse of uh, a redoing of a lot of the scenes to reconstruct everything. It fits thematically also with the idea of technically going back into the into the past with uh, Vito in Godfather Part Two. It is a stretch. I don't care. I'm trying to piece out what exactly can you pick over the two because these are in their genres, the top uh, sequels. Like it's insane uh, to think that either of them could actually happen. I, I'm thinking back just of all the performances. It's easier just to go with, with. It's just emotion at this point. So it's either fear and and laughter versus just oppressively just family drama i think that's also the thing like it i know it's just hard dancing around it with the the godfather part two but i'm gonna go with the evil dead two all right dancing around like your ash's girlfriend (laughs) as a deadite right there with that one marcello Okay, yeah, this one's tough, um, actually. And 
Yeah, I, I've been voting against Evil Dead 2, but now I something Jonathan said is something I've also been thinking about when looking at these two. It's like they're the best sequels in their respective genres. And when you think about a horror sequel, when you think about like a drama sequel, like these two come up in the conversation. And now it's like, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it'd be this tough, to be honest. It's again, it's going back to that. Should I go with my heart or should I go with like my head? Because technically I'd go with Godfather 2, but, you know, if I go with my heart, I go with Evil Dead 2. Which is, which is, oh, okay. This is tough. I'm going to go right now since I'm, oh. And also, I'm going to step back and say, you know, who do I think is a better filmmaker, Sam Raimi or Francis Ford Coppola? Or, or who do I like better? Maybe, that, maybe that's how I'll judge this one. That's also tough, too. Mm, you know what? I'm just going to cut to the chase and say, Evil Dead 2. That's my vote. I bet it was Jack that clinched that. You thought about Jack, and you're like, no, I can't go with Francis. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I can't wait for Coppola to re-edit and re-release that movie, Jack. I'm sure I'm sure that's going to happen. <laughs> On 4K Blu-ray, and you'll buy it. <laughs> oh, I'll buy it. <laughs> um, yeah, as we've said several times, very tough, very difficult. Um, I think both do such a great job, especially of like taking the, that the first movie and just really like elaborating and stretching out and just going further with the thematics and stylistic stuff that they couldn't even do in the original movie. But you know, I guess to go all the way back to that, you know, Bride of Frankenstein, Godfather Two argument I originally had, Evil Dead Two does that in eighty four minutes. It's pretty spectacular. I'm doing it. I'm clinching it. Evil Dead Two is moving forward. But Adam, what would you have gone with? I'd absolutely go with Evil Dead 2 as well. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, again, being a horror guy and being a fan of horror comedies and just kind of, you know, Godfather 2, yeah, it's great. It's amazing. But for the second one to come out and be this weird quasi-remake can completely change the tone of a franchise and create just sort of uh, one of the greatest comedies of all time not only with evil dead 2 but even its follow-up army of darkness i mean that's not something you look past and you know yeah you say oh jack with coppola yeah what about that fucking oz movie sam raimi did <laughs> that's right up there too which <laughs> is terrible. pure shit uh but yeah i, I gotta go evil dead 2 all right and jessica evil dead 2 is moving forward but would it have been a blown out or would you have gone with godfather surprisingly i would have gone with the godfather part two i know i'm you know the horror obsessive but i just i'm gonna be basic and say godfather part two even though it makes no difference <laughs> going with the hot take in the scenario of godfather <laughs> part two whoa whoa uh, sorry to blow your minds like that the godfather oh. part two is a good movie you heard it here first <laughs> oh, oh well now very interesting Next matchup here, Gremlins 2, The New Batch versus Adam's Family Values. Marcelo, you're starting us off. Oh, boy. So, I love Exorcist 3. I do. Um, it gets in your skin. It's, it, it tells such a great... Um, si- 
Sorry. Sorry, it was it was Adam's Family Values versus. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I wrote down Exorcist Three because that's what I wanted. Right? I was <laughs> like, oh wow! I, I was literally, I'm literally going, where is this going? This you know what? <laughs> I thought he was going to break down like Adam's Family kicked its ass. In his <laughs> that, that, that that was my own bracket. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, well, well, that makes it a lot easier. I'm going to go with Gremlins Two over Adam's Family Values um, because again. I, you know, I forgot it. Uh, I forgot that Adam's Family Values <laughs> won the, the 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 matchup between Exodus Three, um, and maybe that just tells tells you guys a lot about how I feel about uh, values, um, the movie, not values. But Gremlins Two, that's my vote. New Batch, uh, again, like I've said over and over, it's it's stellar and it's and it's just like overblownness. Um, I just you know, name all the gremlins just to provide points. You have Mohawk, aka the spider gremlin. You have Brain, uh, aka Mr. Glasses. You have Daffy, the dentist gremlin. You have the electric gremlin. Uh, you have the Edward G. Robinson gremlin. You have Lenny, the uh, bucktooth gremlin. You have the vegetable gremlin. You have the bat gremlin. You have the phantom of the opera gremlin. You have Greta, the female gremlin. What more do you need? Uh, easy choice for me. Gremlins over Adam's family values. All right. Um, yeah, unfortunately, like as much as I've been praising Adam's Family Values this whole time, and it, as much as it does go anarchic and crazy in a way that its original movie didn't do, uh, Gremlins 2 does that just even more and with even less of a care for any of the emotional arcs that were going on in the original movie to its complete fun and complete wackiness to the point where, like, I loved anytime Zach Galligan or Phoebe Cates talk about the movie, just like, yeah, we knew we were just, like, kind of just moving the plot along, whatever plot there was. <laughs> That's what we were doing, and it didn't really matter what we were doing. We were just kind of there along for the ride, which, in many sequels cases, might be a detriment, but in the sake of Gremlins 2, it is kind of like this beautiful pastiche of what a sequel can be. I'm going Gremlins 2. On that front, Adam. Ugh. <sighs> This is probably one of the most close ones that uh, we've had in this sort of round because uh, I love them both dearly for pretty much the same reasons, just the wacky comedy of it all. Um, man, I, as much as this sucks, I, I, I'm i going to Adam's Family Values, man. Um, I, there's just so many scenes that I can think of you know, with you know, fucking uh, the camp counselors jumping up and down and clapping. Let's put them in the the happy tent. <laughs> they go in there. They gotta watch Disney movies, and it, it, it's just the serial killer trading cards. The you know, eat me. It's Happy Turkey Day. Like, there's just so many fucking moments that I can quote and love. Don't get me wrong, I have that with Gremlins too, but I, I just Raul Julia in in Amsterdam Valley just he fucking kills me. He kills me when he's swinging fucking, you know, swing low, sweet chariot. Fucking, it makes me laugh so hard, but at the same time, it's very sad. Um, I go Adam's Family Values. God, that's that hurt. That one fucking hurt. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Thomas. <laughs> Jessica. What's the tally? Are we tied? Uh, no, it's two to one. Okay. Um, sorry, it's I'm getting loopy and had lost track of where we were. What are you but, talking uh, about? <laughs> for so small amount of time. Yeah, I mean, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. What's going on? <laughs> okay, but I know we do have Gremlins two versus Adam's Family Values. I'm back. All right, 
No, okay. no, no, no. It's Exorcist 3. Exorcist, yeah, exactly. Exorcist <laughs> 3 on. and Tron Legacy. Let's go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I am stalling a little bit because I don't know what my vote is right now. Um, because it would kill me to vote against Joe Dante in anything. But I have such a deep abiding love for Adam's family values. And it's such a classic. It's so, I don't think, you know, we talk about how wild and weird Gremlins 2 is, but Adam's family values is just as wild and weird and sharp. And damn it, I'm going to go with Adam's family values. Oh boy, Jonathan, it's all down to you. Okay. Uh, Thomas, you brought up that the human characters were in Gremlins 2 were just there for the plot. I cannot think of an unused character in Adam's Family Values. You have moments with Thing. Granny has great has a great cur- cursing scene with the uh, uh, with Debbie. Debbie is phenomenal. Fester works out all right. Pugsley, I forgot at the in the summer camp scene. He he's like just like the opening scene of the summer camp where they're talking about all the great stuff they're going to do. You just see him hanging himself. Like there's a lot of just gags all around. And I have to go with that. I'm values. I'm, I'm breaking that tie. Oh, my man. All yeah. right. Oh boy. What about your boy probation? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're down to the elite four. So let us go forward with uh, Spider-Man two. Versus Mad Max Fury Road. I'm starting here. This is very difficult. Oh, fuck. I know. (laughs) Get ready. Um, But, you know, between these two, it's really a question of, you know, which one kind of, I guess, evolved things further from where it came. Um, I guess by that, you know, I, I gotta go with Mad Max Fury Road. I think it just does such... A phenomenal job of taking everything that he did in those original three movies and just beautifully translating it to a modern package. Also, just the the whole thing with like the the Green Place and Charlie Theron's like history and all other stuff being added to it. I think that just adds another layer that wasn't even in those original movies. That just does it so perfectly. I love you, Sam, but I gotta go with Mad Max on that. Adam. This sucks. Um, I uh, <sighs> you know, again, it, I'm not trying to be impartial because I'm watching it right now in the Black Chrome edition, and it adds so much more to it. But just going back to, the, I saw this movie, you know, several times at the show. I was so excited to see this movie. I love it so much. Uh, just, it's one of those that. I can watch anytime I I've painted pictures of the characters in this movie. I I've, I absolutely love this movie and the franchise as a whole. I think it's one of the greatest things in the world. I mean, it's, it's even translated uh, to wrestling where, you know, Chris Jericho used to call himself the Ayatollah of rock and roll. Um, I have to go on Mad Max Fury Road. All right, Jessica, given other comments you've made, <laughs> I'm so in the dark about what you could possibly pick. <laughs> I know. I feel like I haven't even really said much about it because I can't really, I mean, I could, but this is not really the medium for it. I can't really expand upon this is a perfect movie. So yeah, no, you're right. Vote. You should, you should have talked on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we 
we've been here for 17 hours. <laughs> no, okay, my vote is Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> All right, Mad Max is moving forward, but Jonathan, out of curiosity, where would you have gone? I, I probably would have gone with Spider-Man 2 because... The legacy of not just Spider-Man, but also all superhero movies moving forward also fits with the sequel. And those sequels try to match that. It, I knew it was going to be close to a blowout. So I just felt like there needed to just be one last hurrah for Amy Spidey before we move to the final. Giving them a bit of pizza time. Good job. Now, Marcelo, what would you have gone with, even though it is moving forward Mad Max? Yeah, I would have also given uh, Spider-Man 2 a nudge. Uh, I know it's a tough, tough matchup. I, I get it. I understand why Free Road is moving on. It deserves it. But I think Spider-Man 2, also, it's, it's, I don't know. It, 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 maybe it's because it's been around longer for me. And, and Free Road just came out, like, what, six years ago? And Spider-Man 2 has just been in my life a little bit longer. So... Yeah, uh, uh, I I would have gone Spider-Man 2. But hey, congrats to Free Road. Yes. Now, the other two in the Elite Four, we've got Evil Dead 2 versus Adam's Family Values. Adam. (laughs) That's ridiculous. I mean, uh, as much as I've sung the praises of Adam's Family Values, it's Evil Dead 2. Uh, Evil Dead 2, it, it's just it's fucking the the scene with Ash sitting in the rocking chair and then getting up and mimicking the lamp and everything. I mean, it, it's just it's it's comedy horror comedy gold. It, it, it's perfection. Um, it, oh God, what a weird matchup. But yeah, no, Evil Dead 2. Weird matchup for such a normal night, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Evil Dead 2 as well. I know, you know apologies to my younger self for betraying her like all the rest of her family did but i I, evil dead 2 has to win this one your younger self is crying even more in sicily in 1993 at least my older (laughs) self will help me right oh god now i feel terrible i take it back i take it back (laughs) oh jonathan all right let's let's be silly all right evil dead has the possessed hand Adam's family has a sentient hand. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. Okay. So it's a, there's a lot of things you can go into evil dead. Just the deadites, I honestly we haven't really talked about. They just are so creepy looking, even if it even though they're funny. Like I can't like there's a lot of iconic stuff we never talked about. Like Ash just the moment with him getting the chainsaw on the stump, all that stuff that really is there that you you have to acknowledge about evil dead too i wish i could vote for adam's family values but yeah there it is a blowout it's it's evil dead too i'm sorry younger me as well (laughs) we're all disappointing our younger selves so deeply uh marcello i me and my younger self are are seeing eye to eye here Uh, i'm going evil dead too um, because I've loved that since watching as, as a teenager uh, till now. I do want to rewatch Evil Dead 2. It's been a while, um, but I still love it deeply. I cannot say the same for the movie I keep forgetting is winning uh, and family values. Um, so I'm going with Evil Dead 2 because, my God, it's, it's, it's such a great sequel. And it's, it, it's Sam Raimi. 
um, just doing everything I love. Uh, um, so yeah, Evil Dead too. Yeah, um, as much as I do love Adam's Family Values, it is a blowout. Evil Dead too. I also would have voted for. Um, if nothing else, because while it so, works so well as a sequel, it also has the perfect cliffhanger ending that could, like, if Army of Darkness ever existed, the ending of Ash being doomed to destroy Deadites forever is such a great comedic and horrific note to end that movie on. It's so perfect. You're just like, oh great, you survived this night, now you get to do it forever. <laughs> You're just cursed to do this for all eternity. <laughs> it's so great. It's so good. But, yes, so now, we've reached it. The final, final matchup. And only 15 short minutes. <laughs> Max, <laughs> Fury Road versus Evil Dead 2. Jessica. I, this is going to come as a huge shock, I'm sure, but to Poor me, sunset. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. I'm going to have to go with Creed. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road is what movies are all about to me. I I cannot vote against it. This is a just goddamn this is a great movie. So Mad Max Fury Road, that is my vote. Jonathan. These are two sequels from two auteurs who force their cast to go through arduous uh, shooting schedules in remote regions of the world. It's bizarre to see what the grotesque with uh, Evil Dead 2 while being one of the funniest horror comedies ever. And actually, it was actually a great build-up to a trilogy. Mad Max Fury Road really created a great side character with Furiosa. Her scream in the sand dune is burned into my mind. You have the great score of Mad Max Fury Road, but you have the ominous creeping of just the the basically the flashback scenes of uh, Evil Dead 2. I don't know. Like, this is the... Okay, Evil Dead 2 has the birth of Ash as a hero in a lot of nerds' minds, and Mad Max Fury Road puts in a new hero as well as replacing the, the previous actor of the iconic hero with a great actor. I... I have to go with Mad Max Fury Road. Marcello. Oh boy. Okay, so just a recap. Two for Fury Road, right? Yes. Okay. All right. This puts a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> um, God, uh, okay. Uh, my my again, like I said, my whole thing approaching these these later matchups, heart or overhead or vice versa. Like, and this is one of those situations where I've said this so many times, Fury Row, technically amazing, yet Evil Dead, just thinking about it makes me smile. It's one reason why I'm a, such, a, such a huge horror guy. Um, I mean, its influences still continue on. I, even before we started recording, this like off mic i was talking about a movie i saw south by southwest that felt very much like you know uh uh, influenced by evil dead in like the best way so it's still like decades later influencing so many great movies evil dead 2 um specifically but fear road (laughs) oh it's eh, eh. this one's tough guys i'm still talking it out 
How much longer do we have? <laughs> do, we do have another all the minutes. time in the world. <laughs> um, we're, only at 18, we're only at 18 minutes. We got two more. You know what? Uh, to make it to make it interesting, I am going to go with my heart here and say Evil Dead Two because I, I you know, like I said, I think I think that'll be my reason because it is still so influential. It's still seen as like just uh, a, a pinnacle in like horror comedy and horror, uh, you know, uh, practical effects, everything, everything about it still making so much of an impact um, only because Fear Road is not has not been around as long. So, but, you know, like I said earlier, my my, you know, uh, it, it's been around longer for me. It, it holds much more weight. So I'll go Evil Dead 2 here. All right. Well, now it comes to me. Very difficult to just pretty much perfect movies to decide between. It's so tough. But I think, honestly, and I'm not just doing this to create suspense, wink. Um, no, genuinely not. But I think Marcelo just brought up that point of, like, the true influence that Evil Dead 2 has had. I'm sure Mad Max Fury Road will have such an influence in the years to come. I'm very sure it will. But I think Evil Dead 2, yeah, just the amount of different ways it is inspired, not just obviously like Army of Darkness and the other Evil Dead things to come, but like just how many horror comedies, like I love a good horror comedy, but they're so hard to come by. So many of them can just constantly like go back and forth at, with the jokes or the horror and never quite make the balance. Evil Dead 2 is genuinely like the rare, like perfect balance between the horror and the comedy that is just like so rare to find. And despite how much I love so much of stuff with Mad Max Fury Road, and it's a miracle that exists, I am actually also going to go with Evil Dead 2. So, Adam, I got it's all the final down to decision. You. The final decision. I'm going to tell you now, it's Fury Road. Like, without a all right, well, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and no, we're done. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. I, I, I agree with everything you guys said about Evil Dead 2. I, I truly do. But the thing I think, you know... Jonathan alluded to, and I think is the case with Fury Road, is that not only is it going to breed sort of a new film with the Furiosa film, which people are really excited about, which I am too, but also reinvigorated this franchise. To where there's no question that we will also get another Mad Max movie, um, and people are interested in this. And I, I do think, yes, Evil Dead Two is incredibly influential, but I. I think going forward, Fear Road is also going to be that. And to add the fact that it's a re sort of started at this long dormant franchise and is creating other roles for strong female characters. And it, and just, it's a spectacle of sort of the cinematography, the filming, the color use, the everything that's done in this film it's pitch perfect and i mean for that as far as our bracket sense goes fear road's the greatest sequel of all time yes it is it has won the bracket jessica you are the nostradamus of this draft (laughs) you predicted it would win you were correct and you get a golf clap for your trouble (gasps) oh hooray thank you (laughs) yes (laughs) but thank you all sincerely for following us on this very long journey our uh lovely friends here 
Um, we have the opportunity for plugs if you are still awake enough to do them. <laughs> Exorcist 3. Watch Exorcist 3. Yeah, seriously. Re- re- uh, I think the ones that we did not get to rewatch before this uh, show, I think we should actually watch them again because there's nothing else there's still. There's a lot of things to add to the watch list from, from this yes. for sure for all of you out yes. there. Um, but yeah, we'll go in the order. Jessica, any plugs to have briefly? <laughs> <laughs> um, just uh, if you feel like coming and yelling at me on Twitter about my choices, I guess feel free to do that. I'm at We Who Walk here on Twitter. I'm always sharing my film writing and cosplay and things like that. So please don't yell at me, but come say hi to me at We Who Walk here on Twitter. Yes, please do not yell at any of our guests. <laughs> that should be part of the Patreon package. Just don't yell at us. Yeah, yell at me if you want. I yell at all. Right, of yell at us, sure. Like, yeah, you pay us yeah, money. Yeah, you sure. can yell at us, sure, whatever. Fuck you, Christian. <laughs> Anyways. Jonathan. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at black underscore gendo. That's black underscore G-E-N-D-O. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Jonathan Hatton McHale. Uh, H-A-B as in boy, T as in tower, E as in Edward, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. And it's Jonathan with a Y. <laughs> Yes, and Marcelo. Yes, uh, talkfilmsociety.com. That's my plug. Check us out. We have some great writing. We have some great podcasts, including uh, one that you may have heard of. Uh, I forget the name of it. It's like two, two bills, one, one thing. Yeah, I, I never know. heard of that shit either. Yeah, it's uh, terrible. Look it up. But yeah, talkfilmsociety.com. Yes, and uh, thank you, patrons, so much for contributing. It means a lot to us. Every dollar counts. We really appreciate it. And I look forward to upcoming in April. We'll have an On the Edge of Relevance for the Northmen. And then we'll also be having uh, one of our in-person recordings, a mini little media discussion about Peacekeeper will come out in April. And also we'll be doing a full-fledged media discussion about Devs, the yeah. Alex Garland show, just uh, right before his new movie Men comes out for May 24 good timing on that we'll have a lot of fun discussing those things next time and until then all right now it's time for the after show everybody <laughs> hey, yes, encore, encore, encore. encore bravo bravo good night favorite everyone. mafia movies thanks mafia Bye. movies oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh,